Sonic the Hedgehog is dead. Long live Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, back for episode 301, is the one and the only Mr. Chris Figs. Hello. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Brett? You got a you got a full belly right now? I do have a full belly right now. R- really rocking good. that Longhorn Steakhouse? Oh, yeah. That medium rare, perfectly cooked steak. Hey, you know, it's a it's a gigantic steak, so yeah. I don't blame you for not getting it. But have you at least had the outlaw ribeye? I have not had the outlaw, no. It is incredible. Yeah, I'm, Next not, time a you big, go. Uh, I'm not a big fatty steak guy. Man, that's crazy, because my wife used to be that way. She'd be like, you know, sirloin's my, my go-to. Mm-hmm. And after a few trips of every time, she'd be like, oh, my... How's your steak? She's like, it's good. And I'll try about it. She'd try about of mine. And she'd be like, oh my God, your steak's way better. And I'm like, it's that fat, baby. Yeah. It's that fat. It's where the, the fat, flavor comes. It makes it taste better, but I can't eat it. It grosses me out, like the texture. Well, if you have an overly fatty steak, then sure. But if you have a decent cut, it should just be a little bit of fat to marbleize and give you that flavor. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, but there's the ones with like the fat in it and all that. And like it makes it really good. But then, like, I personally am wasting like half the steak. So I'm like, I ain't eating that shit. And I'm not like going scavenging for it like a corn on the cob. Nah. So, <laughs> no, the pieces that do have the fat, you just got to make sure you cut them in such a way where it's mostly steak and a little bit of fat and you just no. chew it all up together. And it's no, no, problem. no, I can't chew it at all. Like just putting it in my mouth grosses me out, so I know how women feel. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Uh, well, Chris, next time that you go to uh, Longhorn, you can just choose to leave me out of it. Yeah, you don't that, want me to tell you feelings. next time? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll just be our new weird communication. Every time I go to Longhorn, I'll send you a picture and vice versa. We'll perfect. just make it a thing. That's perfect. I love that. Okay. And then eventually I'll harass your father to feed me for free. Yeah, I was gonna say, but I'll, that takes uh, time, you know. That's the long play. Yeah, I mean, I would send you the check, but I don't get one. So, <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Well, guys, uh, if you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. We hope you enjoy what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's not a particularly crazy news week, so we're going to be talking about a couple of rumors, some stuff going on with some apparently uh, PlayStation hardware that's not the PS5 Pro, uh, and apparently will be coming before the PS5 Ooh. Pro. Uh, we've got some crazy, interesting usage of the Sonic the Hedgehog IP, uh, and Vin Diesel is up in arms because Arc 2 had to get delayed, so... You know, it's it. Here's where we are. This is this is a day to day of gaming. Uh, but stick around. We'll get to talking about that here in a little bit. But we always start to show off in a time honored tradition of checking in on what each other have been playing, so that we can hopefully find games between each other that we all agree and are not agree, but we all like and enjoy uh, or might be interested in. But also, we give a chance for you guys to find out what kind of games we're playing and see if you want to take some chances on them. So, Chris, you have a new interesting one this week uh, that we very lightly talked about. So, why don't we go ahead and start with you, good sir? What games you've been playing this week? Um, well, everything that I've been playing, I talked about last week for the most part. Um, Resident Evil 4 is still plugging away there. Um, a lot of hours into MLB because that's all I do. 
Um, but then I've also started uh, Diablo 3 and Dredge. Okay, so let's... We got we to gotta make a little pit stop on Diablo 3 here. Hit me with some How did this come 3? about? Um, I guess one of my buddies bought the pack of Diablo 2 and 3 for like 20 bucks on PSN. And then that just got every person in my friends group to start playing it. So I'm like, God damn it. All right, I'll stop playing MLB and play Diablo, which I already have 50 hours in. So sure. But yeah, it's been fun. Game. Diablo is great. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know. Um, so it's well, a lot of them plugging away at that doing they've just been they just power leveled me up on a new character because my good character is not seasonal so I've got a seasonal character uh, now yeah 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 i got gotcha. you yeah you, you want a seasonal character because some of the seasonal builds are insane and i don't know it's been so long since i've played i'm not sure what season they're on or how they rotate throughout the seasonal gear that was once in there like uh, but the last I season i can remember playing heavily um was a season where they had this uh, necromancer like armor that would automatically like pull the bones out of the ar- the things that you killed and create like floating bone armor around you. That's pretty dope. I like Incredible. that a lot. Incredible build. It's super yeah. fun. The, the mage is also was, really fun in that. Is it? I'm playing a monk. I'm playing a monk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My main character okay. was a witch doctor, so a monk. Yeah, witch doctor is fun too. I'm curious to see um, with Diablo 4. I ended up not really trying to fight because, man, Blizzard games are so popular that trying to fight the crowd to get into beta testing anything just doesn't feel worth it to me. Yeah, it's like the queue time was what, was what, like hours at some point, And it's like, why? Yeah. Like, I'm good. And always- my weekends are already so limited in time. I'm not trying to limit yeah, them just, further. Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Blessings. Thank you. Um, yeah, of Leave him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. So Diablo has been a lot of fun. It's just I, I don't have too much to go for with trophies. It's just get max characters, do hardcore, and five hundred bounties and a hundred treasure goblins. So even Dude, for those the bounties, it's <laughs> a lot of bounties. Like it's we too found, many. A, we found a quick way to do it where. We would get a four-player party, and each person would go do one, and then they would we would come back together for the last one. But even still, that's doing that a hundred times minimum. Yeah, mm. no, it's too much, man. Like I have the platinum, and I love that game, and I never want to play the game again. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> like I love it. I put like easily five hundred hours into Diablo, but you know, yeah. Diablo three. But between the PC release that I played at launch and then Reaper Souls on PC and then finally playing on P and actually I started on PS3. So I've got way too many hours in Diablo three across too many systems. I'm not trying to go there. But let's no talk way. about the new game on your list uh, this week. So Dredge. Yes. You were you were telling me Dredge. it's a Lovecraftian fisherman sim. Yeah. Yeah, so you you only are in a boat. Like you don't leave the boat. There's no like character walking around doing shit. Um, you can have interactions with the townspeople and the places you go. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's very basic fishing. It's you just go and then it's like a it's like a circle, and then you have to press in specific times. And even if you don't, it just means it takes longer for the fish to get pulled up. So, like, you can, if you crash into rocks and you break one of your fishing rods, you can't make it go up any faster. But if you just wait, like, you'll catch the fish. Um, it's cool. I haven't, like, broken into any of the Lovecraftian stuff yet, but 
it's like, oh, don't go out at sea at night. Like you, you that's how the other fishermen didn't come back. You know, the stuff like that. Um, and I've seen it. I was out at night once, and like this, like tentacle, like hit my boat, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna go home. I don't, I don't need to be out here for this shit. <laughs> But um, I like it a lot. It's 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 fun. It's not, and I couldn't see myself dumping a ton of hours into it. But depending how the how the platinum is, like I could see myself finishing it. It's got a lot of cool mechanics. Um, you can upgrade your ship and like get stuff like you go faster, but your panic levels go up, and your engine can overheat, and then you blow the engines out. Um, so it's 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 very cool. It's very interesting. I'm waiting to find out. Like what happens if I do blow up my ship? Because I haven't done that yet. Like, what's actually out in the water? Is it Cthulhu? Because it's always Cthulhu. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so is it? For lack of really knowing how else to describe it, I guess is it a game that's like a roguelite to where if you fail, you just restart from moment. I'm one? not sure. I haven't failed yet, but I doubt. Yeah, that's it. my curiosity. I, I'm imagining it'll do something like it's either going to do one of two things. It's gonna you're going to die. They'll give your boat to the next fisherman. And then it'll be like, oh, we have this old boat. It's a little bit upgraded. You know what I mean? Like, do that. Or it'll just bring me back to the old save. I'm, I'm wondering which one it'll go with. Yeah, I'm curious. I like games that choose to kind of introduce new mechanics and go further and further. A game I always shout out as a game that's simplistic and uh, initial concept uh, or premise, at least, and concept that ends up being kind of wild was the Flash game and eventually PlayStation 4 launch game. Ski um, Free. Mother Load and Super Mother Load. Yeah, Ski Free. <laughs> great game. <laughs> yeah, fucking all-time classic. Dude, genuinely a great game. I'm not even I, remotely joking. It's very good. It's oh, a great yeah. game. I sent you um, a picture in our Discord so you can see like what the the game looks like at least, and maybe you'll have a better sure. understanding. Um, but you, like I said, you yeah. literally just play as the boat. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, my curiosity there because it's kind of the same in like Motherload, right? You play as a ship that's doing mining mm-hmm. uh, on this like weird mining colony planet that's out and about and so it's like dig dug where you're digging down and getting up all the materials and you go back up you sell them you use that money to upgrade your hull upgrade your drills so that you can go through new materials or dig through old materials faster and then you eventually get to where you start going through like bedrock and then eventually you go into the center of the planet and it turns out it's like i a part of me wants to go ahead and like spoil it because it's it's that a old. fun game to play anyway, and it's yeah, very old. Like it I said, is. it's a. I was playing the Motherload Flash game in high school, so that was like 2009. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, it's very old. And then 2013 for the launch version of Super Motherload, which was the same game, just remade in a new engine and looked better. Yeah. So really fun game, though. But it, it slowly introduced more and more mechanics and then has a boss fight in a game that you would never thought would have one. Uh, so with all that in mind, I'm kind of thinking, like, what would they do here and could they do that? Um, I'm curious to see, and I, don't, I know you don't necessarily know the answer, but I would love to see them introduce interesting things with the Cthulhu aspects or, you know, the Lovecraftian stuff of fear and losing your mind and why you know if the if the danger of fishing at night is that your character loses sanity quicker and what does that do and how does that impact things they've definitely hinted towards that like even just what i was saying like i got the upgrade to make my boat go faster but using that it overheats the engine and it brings your panic up and i don't know what bringing my panic up does yet but that's there so for all I know, I've been using it and it's going to end up my character like 
kills himself off the side of the boat or something ridiculous, but I don't know. And I'm interested to find out, which is a good thing for the game, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, okay, that's cool. I'll have to get around to trying it. I don't know. I'm in a, I am in a weird spot where I'm not wanting to play anything that I feel very committed to in like a story. I don't even know how to describe that. My my game playing, I'm very happy, has been short burst games. Yeah, it, yeah. It's like I don't know, man. I've had no drive to go back to, like, to Hogwarts. I've had no. I, I haven't really been going back to Chia in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think Chia is a large game necessarily. It's just larger than I feel like currently. Um, no, I I've mean, been it, doing a bunch of good. Good. When I was just talking to Josh Ayers in our Discord, which you can. Again, join at the link below. Um, it seemed like it wasn't a huge game, but it has a lot of collectibles. So, like, the platinum is going to take you a while, but the game's not. Um, I, but I'm off topic, but I'm totally with you on Hogwarts. I was like, I'm good, and then I never felt the drive to go back. And what's weird is if I if I make a push to go back, which I've done a few times, right? I'll just be yeah. like, I'm going to play it. I enjoy it. Oh yeah, and it's really. I think it's more of where I'm at in gaming right now. And you've been in a weird thing in gaming too, where like I feel like the way you were playing, you've not been this whole year, no. and it's weird because it's like a, it's impacting like the trophy competition for you. Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> it's like your play style is just so different than usual, and it's it's very. I I feel like most people when they're gaming. Um, you kind of go through a funk, right? Like Irish yeah. Joe, if I'm remembering correctly, was talking about being in a weird funk. And sometimes you kind of know exactly what to do to break out of it. And then other times it's just like, nah, I'm just, I, I can't say I'm 100% in a funk right now, but I'm wanting to play experiences that are like, I can play this for less than 10 hours, get the whole experience, uh, get the, you know, <laughs> primal feeling of, yeah, I got a platinum uh, <laughs> for that extra step. And then just enjoy more. Yeah, well, and I also think you can enjoy more interesting mechanics that way. Like, because shorter uh, shorter experiences tend to be a little more, like, free-flowing. With Like, we're going to do something kind of weird, and we're going to yeah. introduce weird mechanics because we don't have to harp on them for very long. So we can just introduce them, let them run their course, go about their business, and keep going. Um, Definitely. So I like that. Um, yeah, I guess for me it's been a lot of like MLB fucks my whole thing up with playing games. It just does every year. Every year, like you, it just happens year. to be you were already fucked up before it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just a lot of like stuff's not connecting. You know, like the last game I beat, other than before Arkham Asylum, was fucking Callisto Protocol in February. Like that was the first game I beat in that whole time. Um, it's just been a lot of nothing's hitting. Even Batman, I don't know that that would have hit if I wasn't like, I can do this for the trophy competition. I know this game like the back of my hand, you know? Yeah, even point. Even Resi 4, like, I haven't so, wanted to. Do you think it's Do you think it's you, or do you think it's where games are at right now, or some weird mix of the two? Probably a mix of the two, you know? Because I feel like you were all over RE4, and now you're... Well, it's weird. Like It's like you weren't, but you obviously were. It's like you had apprehensions about the changes they're making, but you still seemed excited, and now it's yeah. here. Nightmare. I was always excited for RE4. Yeah, I did have issues where like I didn't want to be able to walk and shoot, because that's not true to the game. To the original game. Whatever. And... Playing RE4, like it's way better that you can walk and shoot. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> sit here and like lie about it. But to me, it was like if you're remaking RE4, like remake 
RE4. You can't walk and shoot in RE4. Um, but RE4 is just a matter of it's MLB, and it's because I bought both of them on disc, right? Like I have to get up and take MLB out, knowing <laughs> in my head that t- an hour and an hour I'm going to want to play a game of MLB. So it's like, why even take it out at this point? Like I'm almost at a point like. I don't know if I'll end up beating RE4 until you buy it for yourself, unless you buy it on disc, because then I can at least download it. And I'm like, okay, I'll get through this this way, because I can just have a quick play session and hop back into MLB. That's wild. I need to just only buy MLB on disc. Do you feel like there's a game in on the horizon that's going to fix this for you? Like, do you think there's a game that's coming that you're going to play and you're like, it's even though it's a bigger game and it's like a, a process, it's going to pull you in and it's going to be it. I mean, I definitely have a game that I hope will do that. I feel like if you've, if the audience, the audience would probably tell at this point what game, where it's Baldur's Gate Three is like a very clear like. For me, I hope to God that I'm into that game and can play through it because I know that like some of my friends want to do like a weekly like D and D type session with it, and I'm gonna make you play it, and I just want to play it. <laughs> so I hope that it, it it pops off like it should. Like I said, I love Larry, and I think they're an incredible studio. So I hope they can figure that game out and make it as great as Divinity 2. Yeah, I man, I think because I tend to play less social games, I think it's also a weird thing, whereas I'm wanting... As much as I enjoyed the game, I actually think Forspoken burned me out too early in the year because it's a huge big game yeah and i'm already iffy on those types of games you know what i mean like right yeah right even if i don't like it i think most people would probably say they like assassin's creed open world style games like the more modern ones like um origin and odyssey and valhalla the worst Um, ones yeah and thankfully forespoken wasn't that bad right but even in games like that, that I think a lot of people would consider higher quality, which eh, iffy on my opinion, but point being is I get tired of those very quickly. Um, so I think digging into that game and, and enjoying the hell out of it, but I just think going for the platinum as much as I enjoyed doing it, I think it had long-term effects on games for the rest of the year. And it goes back to what I was talking about, where it's like the games I've been most excited about are games you can beat in like 10 hours. Like I was all over Dead Space and Dead Space was like, I got the platinum in like twenty something hours for two playthroughs and a couple other stuff. You know, it's like yeah, I don't know. It's Fit I guess technically three playthroughs, but yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I'm just I've been in a weird funk for a while though. Like I don't think I finished many games last year. It was like what I platinumed and that was it. You know, and last year, as as everyone knows who listens, like the big titles that we were all excited for, I played for like an hour and I was like, that's kind of. This could be better. I'll put it a little nicer than I was going to. Um, so it's just been it's been weird all around. Um, sure. Even Hogwarts, like as a huge Harry Potter fan, I was like, I'm going to play the shit out of this and get the platinum. And even just looking at the trophy list, I'm like, there's no fucking shot on platinum in this game. Are you joking? <laughs> I don't think I'll platinum it either. Even if I do go back to it, I just think that Forspoken completely ruined that. If I wouldn't have platinum Forspoken, I could maybe see myself doing it. Yeah. But I think it's the same thing with Chia, right? It's like, I, even if I end up beating Chia, I really doubt I'll go for platinum. Not because it's not a good game or whatever it be. It's just. I'm getting a little tired of that kind of trophy. So looking at the games I actually did play this week, um, because I've been doing so much building and working on stuff. And like last week I put in a water heater for my mom and then installed a door and enclosed a porch on the house I bought next door. And 
then this past weekend i had a i've had a little honda grom in my that i've had since like 2020 that it's had issues since i've bought it and i keep being like ah, i probably can't handle that or i don't know what it is so i'm just not going to worry about it i'll let it drain battery and charge it up and ride it or whatever and i literally spent like one day of the weekend in a you know, spent like a hundred dollars on some parts and stuff and got the whole thing running and back together as it's supposed to be. So I'm, I'm in a weird spot to where it's like, I guess my time is being pulled elsewhere. Um, so VR has kind of dipped out for me a little bit more though. I'm very excited to get back into canoe. You know, I want to try out the canoe kayak game or whatever. Kayaking VR. Kayak VR. Um, but for this week, because of that, I wanted games I could kind of just bounce in and out of. So I almost didn't play games at all until Saturday. Uh, from when we last recorded. And on Saturday, I did uh, The Gardens Between, the PS4 version, and nice. then, or the PS5 version. And me and my daughter were playing it together. Very interesting game, not very long, cool mechanics. A couple that really got me for a second because of having to pay attention to what can still interact with and move even when time is otherwise stopped and how that plays into trying to solve some of the particular puzzles so me and my daughter were playing it and she was so excited because she was able to figure it out because the other weird connecting tissue of here is the that two of the three games i played here have got very odd ways of interacting with the character and world Mm -hmm. um so in the gardens between you don't control the characters directly you just control the flow of time and the characters well i guess you kind of indirectly control them because you can tell them to interact with something, but you don't move them. Time moves them. And if you put them in a position where they can interact with something while time's paused, you can make them do so. Yeah. And so you just, you either move the analog stick forward or to the right to move forward in time or to the left, or you can use L2, R2. Um, It's really interesting game. I like puzzle games a lot. So that was cool. And it was cool that Kyra was enjoying them. So then she stopped for a bit. Um, When I got home later that day, I just downloaded the PS4 version and, did the same thing. Me and her sat down, played through. I let her try some of the ones she didn't uh, do whenever I finished up the PS5 version. So I got two Platinums out of that, working on the the trophy challenge, doing pretty all right. Uh, then I moved on to picking my Vita back up because there's like a handful of games I've had installed on my Vita that I've just not played. And they've been on there for like two, three years. Uh, so the first one of that that I decided to knock off the list is Burly Minute C. It was a PS Plus <laughs> game a few years back. Um And I never really knew what type of game it was. And it's weird because it's like, so you have like your screen, right? Your rectangular rectangular 16-9 screen. Well, it's like the game exists in like a circle that's in the middle of the screen that's only about like half of the screen size. And Mm -hmm. you, again, don't necessarily move the characters. You use the right analog stick to move this little circle frame and it'll extend out to an oval. If you go to the right, it'll go to the right or it'll extend out an oval to the left. And that's what moves the characters realistically. It's like they follow the camera. Yeah. And then it's like a point and click adventure where the left analog stick is like a little cursor that you can click on things and have the people interact with. And it's kind of like a point and click adventure meets like Detroit become human where it's like, it wants (laughs) you to go through. I know that sounds crazy, but it wants you to go through and try all the different permutations of its very simple story. I won't even get into it, but it it was cool. It's like, it's like the entire thing is okay. You have a binary decision on each one of these and you can carry it through. And then the other route is just doing the exact opposite. So it's like put barrels on, 
touch the uvula, swim to the right, race, lose the race, race, win the race, race. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's really weird, but it was fun. It was like a three hour something platinum just kind of going through and an, another no God game. There's no need for it. The platinum is so, it's just play the game in every permutation. And the game even tells you that, right? You finish the first ending and it's like, try it again. And, and see what here's a book and every time you do it we'll fill this book with pages and you're like oh okay oh it was interesting it was kind of nice. cool uh, so like another platinum out of that and then reverie on vita is the one i'm uh, about to platinum right now I'm, I'm, i've got like four feathers left and i think maybe something else i gotta i gotta figure out i haven't get it the done during the show I probably could if I've really paid attention <laughs> and just pulled out my, my beautiful Vita here. It's charging on the table. Oh, um, I could probably do it while you're talking just here and there. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that's like a Zelda-like game, and the Vita has got a handful of those that are really good. Uh, there's the ones that people are more, they know, like Oceanhorn, which is more of like a Wind Waker 3D Zelda style. Well, not 3D, but... I guess. Uh, and then there's um, Reverie, of course. And then my favorite one of the Vita, Great Platinum, super fun, kind of hard because you have to go through and I think you have to do a playthrough without getting hit at all by the bosses or something like that. It's it's really Titan wild. Souls. But it's, uh, it's Adventure Time, uh, The Secret of the Nameless Kingdom. Great game. It's basically, and it even makes jokes about it and references towards it. It's basically just a link to the past in the trappings of Adventure Time. It's fantastic. It's really good. I mean, I take that. And a link to the past is one of my favorite Zelda games. So, yeah, so my wife. Wild, uh, that's for sure. You're right. Breath of the Wild is no links. Uh, you know, link to the past or links between worlds or links awakening. Man, Breath of the Wild's really got some work to do. <laughs> I know it's got to start bringing itself down so nobody else gets intimidated. Oh, I know, right. It's got to yeah. bring itself down to being a Zelda game. That is neither here nor there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, Fortnite. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom. Hey, listen. <laughs> Fortnite's been doing some shit where I'm like, I don't like Fortnite, but I might play Fortnite. Fortnite's actually got some cool stuff on the creation that, side. That of creative mode. Yeah. Um, I didn't put it in the news, but you saw that Activision is DMCAing anything that's close to Call of Duty in there. Stu are making like maps that are like, sh- I saw a shipment map. And that shit is gone. Of course. It sucks. Why wouldn't it be? I, you'd think. <laughs> no, like, I, at that point, you'd be like, is it parody? Like, you know, what, what would it be protected as? And that's a weird question. Yeah, I don't know. You bring us into a new it's age, but jokes aside about Zelda. Protected <laughs> as I'm not going to go through the legal trouble of getting this back. So it's gone. You know, that's 100%. the protection on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. In capitalism. Really? God damn it. It's okay. Well, Chris, I think we'll, we'll get there. I'm thinking Star Wars will be my next game to break me into the type mm-hmm. of games I like. Look at that, Greg. Brett, it's a perfect segue. That's fucked up. So I just called you Greg. And, and you Greg did. Is, and I Greg don't even is, know how that happened. Well, yeah. So here's the backstory. Greg is my sous chef. And the other day, I was talking to him. And I go, Brett, I need you to get this done. <laughs> so it's so weird that I've done it to both of you. It's you and Saul, man. Saul calls me Joe. Does he? And my favorite thing is that Joe is our black friend 
with dreadlocks. <laughs> oh God. I don't know how you must make that mistake. And his name is Joe. <laughs> I can kind of see where Brett and Greg have like a similar yeah, they structure. Got, yeah. They have similar mouthfeel, I would say. Yeah. There's a mouthfeel joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to. I'm somewhere. choosing not to make it. <laughs> it's, it's, they got it's similar texture. Yeah, the, te- it, the word texture. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. It, roll, it rolls off the tongue in a similar way. Yeah, it's got some good dressing on it. <laughs> I don't know. I think Greg sounds. Greg sounds like it's part of something fancier. Like Greg is just a shitty Americanized version of like Gregorio. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Brett is supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's the. I don't know if it's the shitty Americanized version of something cooler, but Brett first. I can't think of one. Brett Brett, Brett, Brett Tholomew. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to meet someone named Brett Tholomew because that would just be so wildly uncalled for. <laughs> what a fucking name that would be. <laughs> like, I'm never calling you that shit. Don't talk to me. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, first and foremost, we did not have a community's take this week. And that's because we did not give one last week, which is perfectly fine. Um, we're going to get back on that, of course, with this week. But it was actually kind of nice just to have a break and not have to worry about that extra layer mm-hmm. of things. Um so, yeah, work's been crazy. Home life's been good, just busy, partially because of my own self, which leads me into an interesting conversation I had today. Oh, good. So my buddy Donovan reached out to me today at lunch, um, and he said, wait, you didn't know you were ADHD? <laughs> and I said, I don't fucking know because that's exactly the, that's exactly the truth. So I just thought it was funny. Okay. But this is where we are. He says, your whole life, I thought you were diagnosed. (laughs) And I said, nah. And he said, like, since we were kids. And I said, we didn't go to the doctor for shit because that's absolutely true. We were poor. I had to basically be dying to go to the doctor. It's just how life went. When you don't have enough money, you kind of do what you got to do. So anyway, it was funny because he was talking about the symptoms and talking over people and being quick to respond. And, of course... I think all people have a little bit of that, but I do have it worse where yeah. it's the anticipation of thinking the other person's about to end and you're trying not to, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like you don't want to waste a moment to get there. So anyway, it was funny, but he led to the point of telling me that he's pretty sure he's told people <laughs> that I'm diagnosed ADHD. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting day of me learning that apparently I might be ADHD, and I'm, of course I'm not going to let Doctor Donovan be the person to diagnose me. Uh, but it doesn't sound that out of the, out of control. That's all right. Um, Doctor Donovan's a pretty good name, though. It'd be like a sick rapper name. Yo, I'm Doctor yeah. Donovan diagnosing my friends again. Nailed it. I'm a rapist. <laughs> You are. You are. Uh, you're a rapist. Um, very good. Maybe maybe the best I've heard. Yeah. Um, Call me Tupac because okay. I'm spitting. Now, I'll tell Ooh, you. I should have said Dilophosaurus. That would have been way funnier. Uh, <laughs> if you were an analyst and a rapist, you could be an analrapist. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get that as a license plate sometime. Yeah. Or uh, anus tart. That's a really yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get my girlfriend's gotta watch Arrested Development because I made I I've been saying in the kitchen a lot I'm like well there's always money in the banana stand 
And then she's like, I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm like, well, that's depressing. Go watch the show. It's a great show. And I'm going to get yelled at. She's over there. She's be you can't, you can't live your again. life having not watched Arrested Development. This is how it goes. <laughs> no, 100%. You need to fix that now. She needs to know what a never nude is. <laughs> yes. There's no T in Timo Seal. At least not where you'd think. <laughs> oh, my. Listen. Um, yeah, so that's what I've learned is that apparently I'm ADHD alongside with you. But from looking at very, very lightly just to see, because I'm like, I don't feel like I have attention problems, mm-hmm. I guess would be like the thing. So I guess the flip side of ADHD is like hyperactivity and instead of just having issues. Because like I can sit down, I have no problems learning things. Uh, I told you I, I hyperfixate. So I was looking and I was like, Maybe that is it. I, I can't say for sure, but hyperfixation wasn't necessarily on the list, but some of the other things sound like they're there. But to be fair, one of the things that was there was uh, if it's not if it's not better described by another, you know, disorder or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. like personality disorder or whatever it be. So I was like, yeah, it could just be that. It could just be that whatever I am, I'm there. But have you ever heard people call themselves like functioning alcoholics? Yes. I'm a functioning ADHD. That's basically all. If I if I have ADHD, that is what I am. <laughs> You're high functioning ADHD. I, yeah, I love because that I'm for telling you, you it like Friday when I got home and started working on the motorcycle, it was like I got home and then I was in the back and then suddenly it was like nine o'clock and I'm like, what the hell? I've been working on this for four hours, yeah. <laughs> just pulling wires, cutting stuff. So that's definitely the problem I have. Is like I get on a task and then I'll put on music because like the new Nothing Nowhere album came out so I put that on so it's like I have two things to focus on simultaneously and that helps me focus on both of them way better so uh, we'll see if I choose to adventure out into dealing with uh, finding out if I'm actually ADHD but I've landed on the fact that if it's not been problematic in my life till this point why rock the boat yeah I mean my biggest thing response to that would be like you don't know what it's like to be focused properly. <laughs> and that that'll may change be the case. For but why would I go and medicate myself when I'm not I'm not to the point where it's having a, an adverse effect on my life? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess what I was saying was that you don't know that it's not. You're just not noticing it. You know what I mean? Well, if it is having an adverse effect on my life, it's doing a poor job of, of doing so, is what I would say. <laughs> Fair. I make plenty of money. I have, you know, I've always held down jobs. Uh, I'm good at doing the things that I tend to do. I know I'm weird. That doesn't really matter to me. I don't know if that's a, a you know, a result of ADHD, fucked up parents, or life. I, I don't know. But you are. We'll find the, out. The guinea pig for nature versus nurture. I really think my me and my siblings might be because my. Oldest brother, and then my younger sister. So I'm the middle kid. Mm-hmm. The ones who had the least time of my parents being stable and, and, and somewhat making sense are the ones with the most problems. It's like <laughs> my brother was raised into them being way too young and getting pregnant right as soon as they got married at like 19, 18. 
Uh, and so them doing crazy stuff to each other. And then my sister was right when my parents were getting divorced whenever I was six. So she never really had my dad around. So I thought for a while, like maybe of the three of us, I just had the most normal life. And so it's impacted me the least. But that's a uh, who knows, you know, maybe some armchair psychologist can can help me one of these days. <laughs> But I'm too poor to want to pay somebody for that. And I'm not even poor. I could totally afford it. I just don't want to. I was talking about the other day. I, I have poor mentality. I, I, would, I never have once thought about going on a cruise because in my head, cruise is something that people with money do. And even though I have money, I think of myself as people with no money. Yeah, I get that. It's a hard one to go through. But Chris, it's time to go into the news since we do not have a community's take. But when we do go back to the community's take, remember that you can be part of it by going over to our social media on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. And lastly, if you want to join our day-to-day discussions or respond to the community's take call you can hop into the discord which is always in the description below whether you're watching on youtube listening on your favorite podcast service if you are listening on your favorite podcast service take a second to rate and or review us if your service offers that it helps us know that you enjoy the show helps other people know for worth their time and if it's a review one it's a good way to get feedback much like one of the people and multiple people over time have mentioned that we should do timestamps. So we have begun doing timestamps, which we hope you enjoy and use liberally to find whatever it is that you are interested in. But with that being said, we're going to hop off into the news, Chris. And the first piece of news is over a game that I realize neither of us put on our list for the Metacritic draft. Yeah. I don't know why I thought one of us might, but I guess for both of our sakes, we're glad we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Because that was my first thought was, wait a minute. If this delayed out and I for some dumb reason chose it, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the presence of uh, Dom Toretto kept me away. Mm, really? Yeah. It brought me closer. It made me feel like, like he was family, you know? Yeah, familia. I did see a good shirt at work the other day that just had the Toretto family uh, auto shop or something like that. I was like, that's pretty sick. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. Um, I mean, I'm assuming there's great shirts all over the place for that. But I don't know. You had that little bit for a while where it was um, everybody was doing the family jokes, which I get. I mean, it it was COVID. People are at home. Fast and Furious Nines trying to come, but that's it was okay. a it's a family of jokes. It was a family of jokes. But Chris, in a particularly confusing decision, Studio Wildcard, the studio behind Ark Survival Evolved and its sequel, the Vin Diesel led Ark Two, has announced a delay of the sequel and the shuttering upgrade of its predecessor. Uh, the team announced the delay, saying, "Quote." So why the delay? Our goal is to make Arc 2 the best game it can be and provide a truly exceptional and rewarding experience for players. Unreal Engine 5 is incredible new technology to us and all developers. Uh, and we aim to use this cutting-edge tech to its fullest potential while creating a game with never-before-achieved scope at Studio Wildcard. As we learn more about the engine and develop the sequel, we have adapted our workflow and adjusted our pipelines to accommodate this new next-gen paradigm. 
And because of everything that involves, uh, we need more time for development, end quote. The truly confusing move comes next with the announcement of Ark Survival Ascended, an Unreal Engine 5 remaster of Survival Evolved. The title will release via the Ark Respond bundle on Xbox for $49.99, which is also bundled with the second game, as Arc 2 is exclusive to Xbox. The upgrade will be able to be purchased on PSN for $39.99. There will be no upgrade path for existing players, and the service for Evolved will go down. So the only way for current players to be able to enjoy the game in a multiplayer setting is to buy this remaster, which comes out in August. So clearly it was a mouthful, but this screams... Bunch of interesting decisions. Chris, what are your thoughts here? Um, fucking insane choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, what in the world would cause them to do this? I mean, I, I guess I I know it. Like, it's greed, right? Like, they want to sell the, the remaster to pay for the apparently $10 ARC 2. Um, but it just seems pretty shitty to be like, yeah, this game you've been playing for years at this point, we're just turning it off, and then you have to spend fifty dollars to keep playing. You know, I don't have a problem with like, what is it like, like on PS PS Five when it's like, oh, the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut is ten bucks. Like that doesn't bother me. But what sure. does bother me is when the game is perfectly playable, like in this sense, and they're just turning it off and forcing you to buy another one. Like if this was being left on, I wouldn't have much to say. But shutting it off seems very shitty. Well, and I get what you're saying, right? It's like, if we're going to make it analogous to what happened with Ghost of Tsushima, it's a single-player game, and yeah, there is the Legends mode that exists there, but it's primarily a single-player game. And so the difference is is that Sucker Punch isn't like, hey, we're going to completely close the, the... No access to PS4's Ghost of Tsushima anymore. Right. The only way to play it is to buy this one and play this one. And I think the really interesting thing about this is that uh, this is a good and bad, right? This is the kind of double-edged sword thing. It's nice because it really does kind of show that developers are hitting that era of being comfortable with foregoing the PS4, Xbox One user base. Because by doing this, unless... Well, I say that. does the, Is the remaster even in Unreal Engine 5? Is it still on Xbox One and PS4? Or is it only on... PS5 and um, Series SX. From what I've read, it was just next-gen. I'll double-check while you're talking. <sighs> well, if that is the case, then I think it's a good thing where it's heralding the fact that they're willing to give up that, you know, 150 million user base in order to say, like, hey, we can do a better game on next-gen. Next-gen's got enough consoles for us to make this move. We can make some money with it, of course. And bam, here we are. We've got a product out that foregoes that one. And that's nice because you want to see developers making that move so that hopefully other developers stay true to making that move. Um, but, you know, the thing that we hear all the time in every generation is the the rising cost of AAA games development, the rising cost of development, and how hard it is to be independent and this and that. And at some point it just feels like if that's the case, then why would you forego 150 million units from ps4 xbox one and if you really want to crank the numbers up what 300 million units between ps4 xbox one switch ps5 xbox series x like you know if you really run a want to run the table that's how you do it 
Yeah, I again, it's just a matter of like why to turn them off. Like the game, you still let it be played. I mean, and this is this is just a uh, just a next gen release. So it's yeah. just it's just a weird move overall to me. If you're that poor that you need to uh, turn off the servers to save some money, you should have maybe asked Microsoft for a little bit more when you sold them the game. Like I don't understand. Like this just seems like really gross on all levels. Personally, it's a weird move. Like I definitely am for the idea of moving the game forward, and I think eventually it kind of feels like oh, you got to kill the the stagnant version. Like Destiny Destiny One on PS3 is dead, if I'm not mistaken. But when they came out with Destiny 2, they weren't like, hey, fuck Destiny 1. You can still go back and on and play it. So I get that you don't want to keep servers on in perpetuity. But still, a weird move. I won't necessarily call it an outright bad move, but I think it's a move that's going to garner them a lot of uh, criticism if it hasn't already. Um, and it just goes back to that thing of why kill something like this. But <coughs> money is always the root of that question. They don't want to spend money on servers for another version or just upkeep server maintenance on multiple versions of servers for the same game, arguably. Um, the other flip side of this is the upside that it comes with of allowing them to kind of piddle around with the engine yeah. and learn how to do things. Like, um, I feel like there was another game recently that, <clears throat> excuse me, recently that did a similar thing. I don't think it was multiplayer focused. It was just like, hey, we've made the we've remastered or remade the game in a new version of our engine, and it got us familiar with these tools in a better way. Like you can look at The Last of Us um, remastered. They said that was getting them familiar with the PS4. Uh, Killzone Shadowfall, even though it was an actual game, was them being like, hey, this was really just our way to a make another Killzone game, but b test out our new engine that we're going to be using for our next real project, Horizon. Right. So, it's it's not the craziest thing. There's good and bads all the way around. Again, my biggest issue is just with them turning off the servers. I'm Agreed. not even... If you're going to turn off the servers, there should be an upgrade path. Like, that I will say. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so like, hey, we're really, forsaking that one, but at least maybe it's $10. Maybe it's right. something. Just give me a cheaper version, even if it's half off, like, whatever. But turning it off and then forcing you to buy a new game to play the content you already own, not cool. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's see. Read Pop and the ESA have canceled E3 2023's digital and in-person events. As the participants in the event dropped out, notably Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Ubisoft, and Tencent, the event became completely unviable. In a release statement, the reason was given as the event, quote, simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of our industry, end quote. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this is, A, the, the part of you that feels like nostalgia for things makes, I'll, I'll miss E3 as an idea, I don't necessarily miss E3 for what it had become at its worst. Yeah. I that's kind of exactly where I'm at where I I miss the like I don't know, like the biggest day of video games in June. Like that was always fun to be like at work with especially my old job where my boss was into it too, just be like oh, we're going to watch E3 all day, like this is going to be chill as hell. 
and like yelling across the line like oh this got announced so this got announced no believe it or not hollow knight 2 is still not being announced you know like (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like that stuff but it was once it became a public event it 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 was dead like i knew that it just sucks because it was nice having that e3 time where you knew you were going to see some cool shit yeah, I think the part of me that misses it is the part of me that thinks back to all the amazing moments that have happened. And while it makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily happen that way in modern gaming where you don't need that platform in the same way, it's hard not to think back about like Kasarai pulling out the PSP and be like, Rich Racer! <laughs> like, Giant enemy Yeah, crabs. it's a memeable, ridiculous... It is. It's ridiculous, but it's fun. I mean, that was a good time. I, I, I one of my favorite E three moments was um, a PSP support in general. I, I remember freaking out when they announced the uh, Sony Bend Resistance Retribution for PSP. I thought, I like, this is fucking wild. This is really cool. Can't believe they're putting a game like that on PSP. But even like the the moments where they had like. Kevin Butler come out and do the little gaming speech. And, you know, it's really cheesy and kind of cringy now. But it was, in the spirit of the moment, it was great. Like, it was fun and it was lighthearted. And, you know, I don't necessarily... I I think it would still have a place in today's gaming landscape. Like, yeah, we've matured a lot. But the PS3 also saw a lot of the, the way we view the idea of mature games start. And therefore, I think this could carry over. Like Caffeine yeah. Steve or whatever that was. yeah it's just i don't know it's unfortunate it's like i'll miss e3 for the best that it could be and um i understand that it has to go away for the worst that it was and the craziest part of this is probably the fact that jeff Keeley wasted absolutely (laughs) zero time dancing on the grave of e3 which for him i know a lot of people were talking about but he was a big part of e3 for a long time so i don't think that this is something that he's necessarily looking at at least on the fan level which i think for anything anyone may have to say about jeff i would never doubt that he is a fan i think he is when you think back to like the old spike game awards um Back when they were ridiculous, like Samuel L. Jackson up there with naked girl, like almost naked girls dancing around him and be like, what the fuck is this? Um, I really like that Jeff brings like, I I actually play games. I'm a fan and this is what I want to see. And I know what people are interested in. I like that part. And I like that when people are up on stage and talking about things, he seems like he's actually interested. That's cool. Yeah. I so this I'm sure life. is a hurt for him. But. I watched a bunch of stuff and even I'm excited or this got me really hyped up. And then you watch the show and you're like, yeah, I'm excited too. He's right. Like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he still has good moments. So Summer Game Fest coming in. I think the real thing is, is that Summer's, Summer Game Fest, do you think it can hit the same level of excitement or do you think it already has as what e3 was or do you think it still has to kind of build up and can actually fill that void or is it just e3 since it was a physical event and those are kind of going away do you think that type of event will never really happen again i mean i don't think it'll ever really happen again i think like summer game fest i don't ever see like sony and microsoft and nintendo being there because even though e3 is gone but we're still getting all the june press conferences which is great. Yeah. But Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft are doing that on their own. So it's never going to be what E3 was because a lot of what was hype about E3 was knowing Microsoft was going at 1 o'clock, Sony was going at 6 o'clock, and then there was a bunch of hodgepodge of weird shit in the middle. But the stuff you were looking forward to was happening. You knew when it was going on. 
Um, now it's like you could see some cool stuff, but it's going to be a lot of like Embracer games and Monolith Wonder Woman, you know, stuff like that, which is not, none, none of that is bad, but it doesn't hold the same uh, je ne sais quoi of uh, the big three. Well, I agree, but you know, part of what I also think killed E3. And, or E3? killed the idea of that type of events. Yeah, E3 itself did, but I think that type of event doesn't work the same way, and it's why we're having problems with Microsoft and Sony and people being like, I want to see a Sony showcase. And I think the real answer is is that, yeah, budgets have ballooned, but the real problem in gaming is that they take way too fucking long to make now. You really go back and think about the fact that Naughty Dog made Crash Bandicoot Crash Bandicoot 2, Crash mm-hmm. Bandicoot 3, ca- Crash Team Racing. Not, they made um, Jack and Daxter, Jack 2, Jack 3, Uncharted 1, Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, The Last of Us, all within roughly two to three years apart from each other. Yep. Can you even imagine that pace now from <clears throat> any AAA developer? I mean, yeah. I mean, Insomniac does it. And so, well, and so far. <clears throat> Insomniac does it by being multi-teamed. For a long time, and for a long time, Naughty Dog was doing that with a single team. Well, that, yeah, then that's insane, and that's why we hear about all the crunch, right? Which more power to you. Sure, but. and and part of it's crunch, but part of it's just because of the demand of games going up and the market thinking that, and clearly the market being true because we make it so that every game needs to be thirty to forty hours full of all this stuff. And that's kind of the thing. It's like I've been looking at a bunch of older games and and looking at stuff. And I, I'm in a weird. I, I think what's really going on with my fucking gaming is I'm wanting to play older stuff right now, just because I'm finding that interesting. Like I'm actually having a blast playing on my PSP or my PS Vita rather. Um, and I don't know why I I never played the game, but it just entered my mind, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm pretty sure this week I'm gonna buy Haze for PS3, and I'm gonna fucking play it because I never played it. All right, a little bit of technical difficulty there. Um, not exactly sure where I was, but I think what I was going to is the idea that games are so long because we tell them that apparently it's supposed to be that long, and anytime they try and put a shorter game out, we let it fail or we purposely don't buy it. So I'm not saying everyone else is wrong for that opinion, but the real problem I see is that showcases like E3 and like the PlayStation Showcase are getting harder and harder to do at a yearly pace because development is getting more and more scarce uh, because now sequels are not taking two to three years to do. Used to, a new IP took longer, right? It'd be like, oh, that's going to be like three years, you know, maybe four. And now it's like, oh, a new IP, seven years. (laughs) We need seven years to make this. And then when it comes time to make a sequel, we'll need five and it's like, okay, that seems a little crazy, but it seems like that's where we're headed. Uh, what do you kind of think about that, Chris? I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is I missed the time in which games felt more varied, and now it feels like every game is trying to be as big as the last one. Um, I think that's true. Um, I mean, games have clearly gotten more expensive and more vast, and but I think you see the big issues with just look at stuff like... Uh, Rocksteady's last game was eight years ago, and yeah, they're making a very uh, copy and paste video game. No offense, and now it's still taking them what almost probably close to a decade before they release one. And it's exactly like you were saying, Naughty Dog put out all those games in the span between you know night and now, right? Like, yeah, and games that were considered seminal classics, 
and that's why I really use Naughty Dog is that it's an example of a developer who almost every one of their games has got accolades for being top of the industry, you know? Right, exactly. It just doesn't make much sense. But it was one of what Sean Layden said. It's like games are getting too expensive and too big and we need to bring them back down. And I agree. Clearly, I agree. Well, that's why I spend more time on <clears> PS3 <throat> at this point. See, I think that's the interesting thing. Where is this like a lesson to learn, a lesson to be learned? Because people are still relatively, and this is way calmer in reality, but people are still relatively apprehensive about a three and a half hour movie, four hour movie, Same. right? Like the new, the new Avatar is like, whoa, what? I don't know if I want to sit that long in a theater, and it still clearly is doing really well. But <clears> you're <throat> asking people to sit for roughly at max double the time they usually would in for a normal movie. What we're talking about in gaming now is taking a game experience like Uncharted or The Last of Us, a game that was like 12 hours and saying, all right, we're going to make The Last of Us 30 hours. Okay, that's about double, but it's also that double constitutes a lot more time. You know, double of uh, double an hour and a half, two hours is, you know, three, four hours. Yeah. Double of 12 hours is 24 hours. And it's like, hmm. That's, that's yeah. a lot bigger of a double. And so it starts to feel like movies seem to have learned that you don't want to pass a certain thing because it gets a little too complicated to keep people's interest up. And yet gaming seems like it's just got to be more and more and more. Like you can argue movies are bigger in the fact that their production is bloated, like bloated in ways that it may not need to be. But the reality is, is most movies are still typically shot, edited, all CG work done and released in two years. Yeah. They know from minute announcements to the ending how exactly when it's coming out, too. So, Can you know. imagine if gaming had that? I mean, I'd, I'd prefer it. It would be nice for one video game to come out when they say it's going to. <laughs> Those days are gone, sir. I know. <laughs> And I mean, it's good and bad. I mean, I guess I guess it's good overall that people aren't going crazy working. But it does suck that it's. Oh, I guess, like like playing Spider Man Two, like just the the laws of trilogies, right? That game is going to end on a cliffhanger, and then I'm going to be forty by the time the next one comes out. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you stay excited for that story arc. Well, yeah, that's kind of my thing, too. Like, the iteration process makes it harder to stay excited. Mm -hmm. And it leads to the problems that I think games like... I know people are going to be upset about this. Uh, I think God of War Ragnarok had it to a significantly lesser degree, but I think Horizon Forbidden West, a game I really quite enjoyed, the problem it had is that being taking five years to make a sequel for it means that it felt like a perfected 2017 game instead of a pretty good, but really pushing the the forefront of what's going on 2022 game. Well, that's the, another, maybe this is just a weird thing, but another big issue with uh, the length of time is you start a game, like you, if you started a game in 2018, like you're making a battle royale. <laughs> and at this point in 2023, everyone's like, gross, don't give me that shit. You know, you, you're, it's the time between and the dev time is too long. Well, so, the dev time is so long that the market can change to the point where your game is dead on arrival. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really unfortunate way to go. And the only way I can really think about it is... 
It's gonna. Be, I guess this is still happening. I'm not acting like it's not. But there was a point in time where like games could be like, you know what? I feel like games haven't been doing this. Like I don't know if you remember um, the EA Criterion shooter Black for PS2. I do. Yes. Great game. And the whole point of that game was the dude being like, I don't feel like video games do a good job at wrecking, like at portraying what shooting a gun feels like. They don't give enough credit or love to the gun, the gun models, the feeling of the gun, how the gun it interacts as a player, basically. And it, his whole thing was like, I just want to make a game where you can be in a room with just <laughs> you, some objects and a gun, and you can destroy shit with a gun and you just have fun. Yeah. And that was that entire game's premise and how it built off of. And that game was great. And I just don't feel like games have that same risk anymore because it's like people aren't willing to kind of do that, partially because more people are creating games. So those problems and thoughts are getting solved quicker and iterated mm-hmm. on quicker. And part of it, I just think, is that games are so big and take so long that you can't really be like, can the only thing we have to work off be like, wouldn't it be fun if you could just have a really high quality game? gunplay and then we'll just worry about the story and shit towards the end yeah i mean i think (laughs) nobody can do that a lot of the issues with that is it's (laughs) i always make this joke but it's the same reason like if i go anywhere for dinner i'm probably getting a bacon cheeseburger right and it kind of translates to dev to devs and making games where you're gonna make what you know is gonna sell right yeah i'm always gonna get a bacon cheeseburger because i know i like a bacon cheeseburger so believe it or not, I'm not going to try the picante grilled swordfish with fucking <laughs> avocado cum on the top because I don't know if that's going to be good. But I yeah. do know that you can't really fuck up a bacon cheeseburger. You can. Yeah. But it's hard. You're right. And that's the same thing with video games. Like, I can't fuck up this modern modern war shooter taking place in Afghanistan where you kill Osama bin Laden for the 87th time. But... So it's a lot less risky to spend a hundred million dollars on that. So that's why, like, I always joke with with my girlfriend where I'm like, if I'm paying for dinner, I'm not trying anything new. If you want to pay, maybe I'll try sushi, right? Something along those lines. Like she doesn't like sushi, but that's you get my point, right? Like, if I have to pay for it, I'm getting something I know I like because I ain't wasting money on a fucking. It's my big, I have eat. a huge problem with that. But the weird thing is, is I'm actually kind of opposite in gaming. I am very likely to just be like, this looks cool. I have no clue what it is. I'm just going to buy it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm But for some reason, way. you're right. If I go to a restaurant, I'm like, no, nah, bro, I'm just going to get this. I know that this sounds good. It sounds like something I'd eat. I won't regret eating here. Yeah. Spending the like, money. I, I didn't like rice when I was a kid, and I like it now. Like, taste change. But my taste... So, I might enjoy a video game down the line, so it's a lot less of a risk than, wow, this this dinner sucks, and this is what I have to deal with for the next twelve hours until breakfast time. You know, <laughs> like no, you're right. Well, and like you know, going back to your shooter thing, I think the interesting thing there is like when games do try and do something different within that space, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all. Like it's not the reinvention of the world, but part of what I loved about Death Loop was that it felt like a first person shooter with an at least not oversaturated loop, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it felt like, okay, yeah, this is this gives me the moment-to-moment gunplay that I find fun in first-person shooters, uh, but it also gives it to me in a way that I'm not used to seeing. So the novelty of that doesn't wear off very quickly. And so it's kind of like when games do try to be risky and do something different, it's like now they get... And it's, it's always happened, right? There have been people that have... Uh, rioted and and you know 
gone against games like manhunt i don't know if you remember the campaigns against manhunt back in the day i do um also a murder ballsy game uh, a ballsy game be like i feel like this is a way for us to talk about violence in video games oh, and do so by bully. yeah all yeah it's like rockstar used to be about trying to push the thing and have a, a social commentary and then they got bullied out of that somehow and now they That's just nice. make <laughs> but now now they just make Arguably great games, but they, it's Arguably. like I don't feel like they, you know what I mean? They don't they're not push risky the, games. There's no yeah, risk really in not. GTA 5. There's no risk in Red Dead 2, if we're being honest. It's like you no. know. Me from three years ago would have told you there's a lot of fucking risk in Red Dead and it didn't pay off. So You know my point of the risk in Red Dead is not that it's not going to sell. You know it'll make its money. Now, whether or not it's commercially or widespread love in the same way, yeah, that could be up for grabs. But commercially, you know it's 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 a sequel to I get a it. beloved if that's franchise. That's by risk. Then yeah, I see that. Yeah, where I'm thinking, gameplay wise, I appreciate Alien, yeah. that they gameplay wise they they put a lot of risk in, in my opinion, making guns that jam and more sim like elements was a huge change that I'm surprised people were as willing to accept as yep. they were. But I love Red Dead, but. The opening of the drawers for half a can of tobacco still sucks. <laughs> I just stopped doing it when I played it the last time. See? Well, but the game I was thinking of is a game that gets uh, that has gotten flack every time it's tried to get moved forward. It's been being tried to be made for 10 years, and that's uh, Six Days in Fallujah. Oh, God. Like, that's a game that even, I don't even know for sure if it is risky, but it's like, it, even if it's trying to do something a little different and out of the box, it's like, no! <laughs> So, or at least that's what feel it like feels like outside looking in. Six Days in Fallujah reminds me of that meme of Legolas and the short redhead guy. I don't, I don't watch those movies where it's like Fox News is Legolas and twenty two thousand four Fox News is Legolas and twenty twenty CNN is Dwarf Man, and it's like oh, I never thought I'd be fighting next to an elf. <laughs> Legolas and Dwarf Man. He is a dwarf, right? He is a dwarf. His name's Gimli. Okay, Legolas and Gimli. You know Legolas. the meme I'm talking about? All right, listen, dude. Going but back to what we were talking about before. Maybe you've got something going on. on. Legolas, <laughs> Legolas and Dwarf Man. <laughs> I would I would watch that movie. That would be a great <laughs> the great names for the characters in a Lord of the Rings parody. Yeah, it, it sounds like a Rick and Morty style parody of of like you're just going to go off and make a parody of, instead of it being sci-fi, it's going to be like uh, um, high fantasy, yeah, dark fantasy. It's like it's just going to be a parody of that, and it's going to be based around Gimli and Legolas' characters. Dwarfman and Legolas' characters. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Legolas and Dwarfman. Like I said, movies are too long. Lord of the Rings. The, yeah, the adventures, the the Ring, adventures of Dwarfman and Legolas. Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> he's a man made out of Legos and every time he Spell, gets hit he loses Lego one. loss yes exactly <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, yeah so. I mean I get where you're coming from there though right you're talking about um, <clears throat> excuse me you're talking about Six Days in Fallujah right yeah or it's the Puritan right and then now the Puritan left is all like we can't let you play this video game it's offensive yeah <laughs> And the crazy thing is, is I just think it's like, can you imagine if someone would have gotten in the way of them making um, <clears throat> Spec Ops the line? I mean, I can imagine it. They'd be wrong. I can too. 
I can't too. It's the greatest game on PS2. And it's so good, right? And I, I feel like that's what I remember little bits about Hayes. Like Hayes is supposed to be like Halo not necessarily killer. not supposed to be anti-military, but it's supposed to be like looking at the dark side of what military campaigns offer. Um so I, I'm not even kidding. I'm going to buy Hayes and I'm going to attempt to play Hayes. Whether or not it's good is going to be a whole different setting, but Hayes is this weird example of what I'm talking about where the fact that someone was like, bro, what if we made a shooter game and your guy was wearing like B-inspired armor and we gave you like nectar and they got high on nectar and since you had to inject it yourself, you could overdose your own character on nectar and you had to deal with the responsibility of how that impacts your gameplay. I think that regardless of how the game actually ended up, that is a completely wild and cool as shit idea that I wish someone had the balls to do again. Yeah, I mean, I would be down if Free Radical made a haze too. Free Radical are back. They opened back up under Deep Silver. The possibility is there. If I'm not mistaken, they own half of Haze. Okay, okay. Ubisoft owns the other half. (laughs) Okay, sure. I bet you could could get that away from, from them. You could be like, listen... Just let us have this bag. No, you don't want to do anything with it. Who knows, man? Who knows? Stranger things have happened. And speaking of Deep Silver, they're owned by the same company that uh, EA sold the rights to Kingdoms of Amalur <laughs> to yeah, THQ. Where, where's Nordic, that DLC? So. Right? I, I keep was waiting. thinking about that the other day. Yeah. They haven't even mentioned it. <clears throat> Makes me wonder if that game did any kind of good. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But you know what? <clears throat> we we haven't completely gotten there, but for the sake of uh, jumping in line, where risks are being taken in very odd ways is games like Sonic the, he- the Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, where it's a free Steam game that just <laughs> yeah. uses the cast of Sonic to be like, hey, this is going to be like a visual novel murder mystery. It's a great idea. People talked about how they missed some of the characters in Sonic Frontiers because the problem with the generations of Sonic going back is that they would always try and introduce a new cast of villains, but they'd keep the same vast... Or not villains necessarily, but they'd introduce more characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like Silver and the Crocodile. I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, there, there's uh, the other teams that are going around, and then there are, of course, more villains that get introduced. And you end up with a large cast of characters that's like, how do I do something with them? And this is a really interesting way to use them. Be able to give the fan service of not in that way. <laughs> you get your head out of the gutter, people. But <laughs> servicing the fans' wants of seeing their characters that in action. That worse somehow, dude. I've got to be honest. Servicing the fans? Yeah, I didn't. I like that a lot less. Uh, yeah, you're right. It still sounds oddly sexual. It, it sounds significantly more sexual. Yeah, it sounds sexually charged is really the way I'd, I'd for car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So listen, my point being is that Hopefully people who are fans of the series like seeing all their characters <laughs> in one game that you can interact with in a weird way. The fact that this is also free when they easily could have charged for this, interesting to me. I'm only uh, upset that it's not. It's only on Steam. Like This would have been a really cool console game too. It would have. I would have played it on console. Mm. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. I don't have too much more to say about the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog other than the fact that it definitely seemed like a day early April Fool's joke. But I was like into the idea before I just the name of it alone. I was like, this sounds like murder mystery involving Sonic. This sounds fun. And then I saw the gameplay and it looks awesome. 
Yeah, it does look cool. It looks like a great <clears throat> visual novel. And they're being crazy with it because you know, I'm not a huge Family Guy fan, but the fact that they had the the dead pose from Family Guy has Sonic laying on the ground with his arms bent over. Yeah, it's yeah. just they're having a good time there. That's, that's, uh, all that's that the important part. Yeah, it's the important part. Uh, all right, man. Moving on, Konami has hopped back into the gaming scene with a new creator's first studio in Osaka, Japan. They appear to be sparing no expense as the studio is located in the city center and is going to come equipped with everything needed to produce big-budget video games. This includes motion capture technology. Uh, the past few years have indicated that Konami is moving back towards big-budget game production after shying away from them in the late PS3, early PS4 era. So, the interesting thing here... I guess I'll go ahead and continue, but recently announced Silent Hill 2, as we all know, is coming from the Bloober team exclusively to the PlayStation 5, and the rumors have been percolating, um, like Mary J. Blige, about a remake of Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 3 for a long time, <laughs> and even recently in New Castlevania. Uh, VGC had previously reported that Konami was planning a massive presence at E3, but as previously discussed, that will have to move to something else. Uh, maybe some of Game Fest? maybe the video game awards or maybe just a really show that they're back in the game by being like, Hey, here's a Konami event. We're having our whole own showcase or hear me out the PlayStation showcase or yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up PlayStation though, because I think the first interesting thing here is uh, people have been wanting for a long time. The, Hey, Sony buy and or <coughs> license the Konami thing so that they can finally get games made. Now that Konami is moving back into this, do you think this is because they're trying to look at getting themselves bought? I don't think so, personally. Or B, do you think that this is to be like, hey, we're not trying to sell or anything. We're just going to start using all of our IP again to start I, making money. I guess it depends, right? Because there's there's totally a chance that, yeah, they're developing games, but Sony's paying for them. You know, that's... Or Microsoft's paying for them, or Tencent. Whoever is paying for them. Sure. Um but the interesting thing here is that there's no reason for them to do this in-house, and that's what they're doing. Like, yeah, yeah Silent Hill 2 and Bloober Team is out of house, and so are all the upcoming Silent Hill projects. But the whole point here is to make a place for them to develop in-house games and bring all that back in-house when they previously shuttered all their development studios. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have a too cogent mm-hmm. of an argument, but the one I can think of is like if Sony's paying for it, and instead of a 70% cut, percent cut rip, they're taking a 50% cut rip of, uh, let's say, MGS3 Remaster, right? That would be a good reason to do it on yourself. It's like, they're paying for all this. we got to set up the studio and make the game, but they're bankrolling it. I mean, that's certainly possible. I don't know. I mean, I the problem with Konami is nobody's going to buy, at least in gaming, all of Konami. Because no, Sony doesn't need gyms. So it it's hard to say that they're setting up for a purchase unless they're going to sequester that part of the company and sell it. That's possible. Well, it's kind of, it goes back to that argument or the, the, the point that people were making about, and it's not that there's no value clearly, but the value proposition was different between both of these. So I'm thinking of back when people were talking about AT&T trying to sell their gaming division off, right? And how that didn't necessarily guarantee that there would be access to the properties that Warner Brothers had with their Warner Brothers gaming uh, access to with all of Warner Brothers IP. 
And so you start to go to the thing of like, well, I guess there's value in the sheer development aspects of having teams that are capable that can make games and bringing them in-house. But the IP not being there is an interesting aspect. And then you flip it around and look at Konami and it's like, well, you have all this IP that if you got the if you bought from Konami or licensed with them, you would for sure have access to, but then you don't have access to have Konami develop them. You have to find someone to develop them. The craziest mm-hmm. thing would have been if Sony bought <coughs> the AT&T gaming division and they <laughs> and just b- bought all the IP for, <laughs> or, or licensed all the IP for Konami and just said, <laughs> threw them together and was like, Rocksteady, you're making Castlevania, which actually I'm not even joking. That Dude, sounds awesome. that sounds sick. <laughs> so, wrong, yeah, you are making MGS five six. <laughs> what a weird game that would be. Oh, it'd be sick though. I would actually. I know people who are really into fighting games probably won't love to hear this. I would love to see what a non-fighting Nether Realm Studios game would look like. Well, they did it mostly with what Mortal Kombat Apocalypse. <laughs> I think it was where it's an RPG. Well, they did it with. No, are you thinking about uh, maybe it is Apocalypse? I was thinking about um, Shaolin Monks, where it's like a dungeon crawler game. That's yeah. Even then, though, that's PS2. That's so long ago that it's hard to really think of. Armageddon. So it's like, what would a what would a modern one look like? You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that I disagree, but like, when's the last time they made a non-fighting game? Probably one of those two games we just discussed. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough, man. So but don't yeah. do what you're not good at. I mean, we we talked about make that damn bacon cheeseburger if it's going to keep you around. Right. I suppose it's like chilies. Don't make sushi. Same kind of thing. But see, going back to there, right? The thing about making a good bacon cheeseburger is at the end of the day, you know that even if you go somewhere new and they have a good bacon cheeseburger, you're like, man, that was a good bacon cheeseburger. I always like those. But if you went there and you did try something way different and it was delicious, you'd be like, damn, that'd leave way more of an impression on you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but I can tell you that but I you found may go, a place. They may go bankrupt in the pursuit of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I found a place that had a good bacon cheeseburger and I remembered it. And I like going to that place. So, you know. Also fair. It's hard to say. I, I, don't, I think, you know, take risks, but you have to be able to sell me on it. That's all. I think the I think the unfortunate part about the risk conversation, and that's probably what was going on in Konami when they shut down, is like, what's the risk of having to deal with elongated development and development skyrocketing and blah, blah, blah. But... I just wish that companies that found themselves and got their success by being risky kept that energy alive because mm-hmm. I don't feel like Rockstar is a risky developer at all anymore. And at one point in time, every game of theirs was controversial and out there and risky and weird. And I haven't felt that energy from them, honestly, since PS3, like early PS3, like Grand no, Theft Auto 4 wasn't even really controversial at that time everyone knew grand theft auto and it was just fine now yeah. if you told me this would be a ballsy risky ass move but if rocksteady or rocksteady if, if rockstar came out and was like we're making manhunt three today buddy here we are i'd be like damn that's a wild decision shadow drop <laughs> well i'd say it's a wild decision but honestly i think that because gaming has become so much more mature since the ps2 days i almost think manhunt would be able to survive with a lot less grief today Oh, 100%. Absolutely. 
You know, you're right though. Rockstar has become a significantly less risky studio. They made the best sports game of all time, and hasn't they haven't taken a risk? They made then. one of the best racing games of all time. And yeah. it's just like they just they just like yeah, fuck it. Yeah, they made one of the best <laughs> games about bullying of all time. Like, I don't but, see how that happens though. Like, you know, it's the thing is like I respect that. Even though it's taking a lot longer, I respect that certain studios still push in ways that I think is true to who they are. Because like Sucker Punch, right? Great acquisition for Sony, and Sucker Absolutely. Punch's whole thing is that they were known for having being really good at making new original IP. They did it with Sly, they did it with Infamous, they've done it again now with Ghost of Tsushima. Like they are, they are a sensible thing, and I think that that was risky. I think going from Sly to Infamous, risky move. Going from Infamous to um, to a game like Ghost of Tsushima, risky move. Take that over to Guerrilla. Going from Killzone to Horizon, risky move. Going from Horizon to really just more of Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn in a much longer time span feels less risky, even though it probably realistically isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I don't know. Iteration in gaming has, has slowed down so much, and I don't exactly know where to pinpoint it at. But I just think variety is the way to go back. It's just, it's like AAA developers decided for the most part to be like, we'll just let indie games and AA games exist in that space, and we'll just be AAA, all really long, super big, wide open games. And it's just kind of like, ah. Like, I'm so glad that Resident Evil, the Resident Evil games have continued to be like, fuck it, we're going to be like eight hour games, and you're just going to yeah. enjoy the shit out of it. They're just trying to keep you in their ecosystem. That's all it is. Well, and it's weird that Capcom's solution for Resident Evil is to be like, yeah, it's Resident Evil. It just needs to be short but good and right. maybe offer replayability. And then there are other massively successful franchises, Monster Hunter, which is play for 500 hours and keep fucking playing, you pig. Like that's, <laughs> that's their two options. And they're both wildly successful for different reasons. Absolutely true. Hmm. Huh? Man, well, I think the last piece we're going to do here is in relation to a question that we got. Uh, so with that in mind, Tom Henderson uh, on a stream, as you may have heard his name before, he's been known for leaking a few things. He leaked the disk driverless PlayStation 5, um, plenty of other stuff. But point being, um, in a stream that I would argue appears to have been on April 1st. So take that with literally every bit of grain of salt as you would. But by now you think he would have claimed it as April Fool's if that's what it was. He talked about how PS5 Pro is coming up and how he'll think he'll be able to talk more about it in June coming around there. Um, But in the meantime, he says, "Uh, I think I'll be able to talk about PS5 Pro the next couple of months because that's when a lot more people are going to be made aware of the console uh, there's also another piece of Sony hardware that will be released before the Pro that I'm more likely to talk about very soon, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, and of course, this got the rumor mills a-churning. Everyone had an answer for what this piece of technology was going to be. And as our question comes, Chris, Read me that ready? question, baby. It says, with all these new handhelds that are being announced and released, assuming Sony's new tech Tom Henderson is talking about isn't a handheld, is PlayStation making a mistake by not investing in that market? Especially when you see the competitors, Nintendo with Switch and Xbox, basically putting xCloud on all of these new handhelds. Uh, And just for 
context around this. Uh, clearly, the Steam Deck is one of the the competitors that we're talking about here. And then, if I remember, it's Asus that just announced that they are going to be doing a new mm-hmm. Asus, however you pronounce that. Asus um, is going to be doing their own version of a Steam Deck like thing. I think some of the others have already come out and done similar pieces of tech. Um, so, with that, Chris, Brett, if this is not a handheld. Do you think it's a mistake for Sony? <laughs> it's a hard question because it still just depends on what it is. Like he wasn't very he was pretty vague. This could just be a peripheral for PSVR. Right? Like it could just be the gun peripheral. Like we well, don't it's know. Clearly it's it's hardware, but that is pretty broad. Like, we know it's not a game. It has to be some kind of piece of tech. But, yeah, it could arguably anything. Now, the way he chose to talk about it definitely sounds like it's something <clears throat> more than that. But at the at the end of the day, you're right. It could just be that. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Grubb today was saying that uh, he had only heard rumors of a cloud streaming device. And that seems like the most likely thing. I still think the ideal one would be like PS4 level power so you could play PS4 games on it with streaming of PS5. So that's what I'm looking I would hope for. But a cloud device akin to the Steam Deck makes a lot of sense. So I think that that's an interesting way to view it because one of the ways to look at this question is that there's the Steam Deck, which is a better example of kind of what you're talking about, where it's not about playing games made exclusively for that system. It's about playing games made for elsewhere on that system. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the I think which exists. Go ahead. Well, I think of the use case for it, right? And the use case is, hey, I'm working a overnight, you know, building takeover for a high school. And I don't have to work for 90% of my shift. So I'm going to bring my Sony deck with me and and knock out (laughs) Batman Arkham City Riddler challenges. Like that's the best use for it, right? Like I don't, I don't want Sony to have to be like, oh, here's the PS Vita 2 game, Uncharted Golden Abyss 2. Like that doesn't seem, you know, like a great use of their time, especially juggling PC, PS5, VR, PS4, and you know, mobile. So, uh, yeah, just let me play my PS5 games on the go. I wish it wasn't cloud streaming, since that still doesn't work very well on PS Plus. But other than that, like that seems like a great use of a handheld dev time. See, and I get where you're coming from. Uh, and where I was going with this earlier is like the the flip side of that is the Switch, which is a classic handheld. It's you buy the Switch to play games only available on the Switch, and maybe some of your third party games you enjoy on the go, like Skyrim or Diablo or whatever it be, right? And that's happening significantly less because none of the new third party can really go to Switch because the Switch isn't really powerful enough for it. Uh, there's a few odd games here and there, but for the most part, it's true that modern third parties not hitting switch so when you look at those two different things like xbox is doing the same thing right xbox doesn't need to make a cloud uh, doesn't need to make a handheld because bam all their games are available on handheld so if sony's focus like they're like they're doing with the backbone peripheral right is just hey you can remote play from your phone you can put the backbone onto your system and use your phone as a device and play the games with playstation buttons blah 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 um how is that not the same as what Xbox is doing? And that's a genuine question there. It's like, if it's not a handheld, well, why does that matter? 
Sony can still follow Xbox's lead by doing the exact same thing sans a handheld. Conversely, Sony could follow Steam Deck's lead and say, we're putting the piece out. Here's the piece of hardware that we're putting out, but we're not making anything exclusive for it. You're buying the hardware strictly to interact with your existing library. And that's where I come into the thing of the same question exists for everyone. So the if if Valve sees it as valuable to have the Steam Deck, ostensibly Sony would be would see the value of having a comparable tech for the PlayStation ecosystem because Valve only makes money off of a the hardware itself, probably on a razor thin margin, but a little bit, and then hopefully getting more people to buy Steam games through that. So Sony would only make razor-thin margin on the handheld itself and then be like, okay, now we're going to have one more way for people to interact with the PlayStation ecosystem. I don't know that either of them are the right or wrong answer. Like playing my Vita this week, I love it. I adore it, and I love that there's a lot of games I'm getting to play that way. And I do love a lot of the exclusives made for it. But I just don't know that Sony sees the value in going that way. And if they don't see the value going that way, why not just let people keep doing the phone thing? The only answer I can really give is that someone like in Chris's situation, right, is that you don't want to kill your phone or you don't want to have your phone taken up by a game. So maybe you'd be willing to shell out three or four hundred dollars, three fifty, for a PlayStation dedicated handheld with its own battery and maybe its own ability to be connected. Bam, they are. I don't know. You're muted, Chris. Of course, I'm muted. I'm always muted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've never understood it on the phone. Like, it was cool. Like, I remember I used to, at my old job, I would load up, like, remote play Slay the Spire, and me and my boss would, like, take turns, like, playing games. But other than that, like, I don't see a use for it. And it's still, especially with PS Now, it's like, all right, I got to pop on and then, oh, I got a text. So now I have to, it, it shuts down the game. So I have to re-log in. By the time I re-log in, the text has been responded to, which means I'm now quitting again to respond. It just never, it never felt to me like a, a logical way to play. And to be quite clear, I've never played games that way other than those small sessions. So I can't tell you if what I just said is actually how it works, but that's how I'd imagine it works. Because of my little bit of time, you leave that PS Now setting or area, and it's starting over. So, you know, what can you do? Yeah, I don't know. I think part of it's just, you know, you look at, like, for, for comparison's sake, right? The Vita screen size feels fine. And I think about, okay, so the Vita screen size, if I'm remembering right, is five inches. And then I look at what my phone is. And, yeah, my phone's, like, a considerable chunk bigger. Right. So it's not screen size that's the thing. I just think part of it is that if I'm gonna have to carry around uh, the peripheral like the backbone, yeah, it feels like out. why wouldn't I just go to a controller? And if I'm carrying a controller, why wouldn't I just carry a device with its own screen and its own battery yeah. and its own everything? And then I don't have to worry about my phone dying in the middle of uh, of the night because I was bored, wanted to play games, but I didn't have any other way to do it. So I'm a big <coughs> fan of dedicated hardware for dedicated purposes people used to be like well the phone's going to be able to do everything well unless they completely reimagine the way batteries work and find some new crazy battery tech that can handle you streaming games on your phone for eight hours a day and then still
still keep a charge for the rest of the day for your other menial shit there's no way it's just not gonna happen because like when i spend a day watching a lot of youtube or listening to a lot of music on my phone my phone's dead by the time i'm going to sleep and that's that's a significantly less powerful required you know so i don't know i don't think it's a mistake personally i would love to see sony do it and there's that part of me that thinks if they do it, the main reason they'd want to do it is because of exclusive things. But it's the problem is that there's, there's success stories on both sides. Which side do they choose to tap into? Right. The one that they ventured in before and had some success in or the one they've not ventured in really at all that they might find success in? I don't know. I guess the answer is they could always do a bit of both. A dedicated handheld that can also stream all your games. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, I mean, that's what the Vita is, though. If you think about what the Vita was, it's just too early for the tech. Right, exactly. Because the Switch is just probably the ideal version of Vita, <laughs> more or less. And actually, I don't say that completely. I think the ideal version of Vita is being able to play on the PS5, a dedicated system, and is be able to tell your PS5, hey, I'm leaving the house, throw my game every bit of it, where I'm at and everything, over to this little device so I can keep playing without skipping a beat. That is the actual... That's That, that was the vision they tried selling, and it never quite worked. Well, that's what you're going to get in your Honda PS5 car. <laughs> That'd actually be kind of interesting, though. Like, if you'd be like, hey, I, yo, I'm playing Bowder's Gate. Can you throw my session over onto the, the, the Honda real quick? <laughs> Why not? Why not? We will see. Man, this storm here is kind of getting wild. So I hope that none of this is picking up on the mic. But if it is, uh, I mean, we work around it. Uh, all right. With that said, I think we were at the end of all the news. This pretty light week, so we're going to wrap up with just a few questions and then call this uh, call this episode of quits. So, Chris, two more questions for you. First one from Yuna. Have you ever had a game where you found a setting in a game right as you were getting close to the end? It does not have to be like this changes the whole game, but could be one that you wish you just discovered hours earlier to make the experience better. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Try not to sneeze into the mic and cough in the mic. So I mute a lot. Um, but no, my answer is no, I can't think of one. I mean, I guess the biggest thing is like MLB's PCI like makes pitching and the pin or the PCI makes hitting a lot more um, controlled by the user and the PCI makes I'm sorry the PCI makes hitting a lot more controlled by the user this is brutal to listen to I apologize to the audience but the pinpoint pitching makes pitching a lot better for me as the player so it makes sense to me like it made sense to me at the end of like 22 where i was playing with just the base settings and now i've learned that part and gotten decent with it in 22 so now i'm using it i've used it forever since then so i just think that might be the only example i could think of is finding that mechanic and getting used to it but it definitely didn't make the game easier it made it significantly harder but i'm better at the game for having learned it well, did it make the experience better? Not necessarily easier, but better. It made the game significantly harder. So, so like, the, if you enjoy a challenge, it was better. 
Right. If, if if you want to know for sure, like, like that's the thing with MLB. It's like before it was like, okay, I hold the up button. It means I'm going to swing in the upper part and I might hit it. I might not. Now it's like when I hit a perfect, perfect home run, I did that shit. <laughs> so it does improve the game experience to that, to that degree. I Especially feel. when you play on harder difficulties. Whew. I think the one I've found recently that, and this is a recent example of it, is whenever I was doing um, Sonic Frontiers on PS5, I've gotten so used to most PS5 games just automatically being in performance mode that I thought, well, something's going on, and I guess this game is just not doesn't have a performance mode. I wasn't really sure what was going on, so I just never even bothered looking. I was having a good time playing the game. I just kept playing it. And on the last island, I finally decided to go in there and said, wait a minute. And I turned on the performance mode, and it was night and day difference. I, I was like, man, I wish I'd have done the whole game this way because I can see the responsiveness of the games already here. I think the other thing is kind of like Chris said, where there's occasional times in my life where I've, I can think of games where I was playing it and it's like I learned of a mechanic that was either hidden or not really communicated. And then you're just kind of like, oh, shit, here I am at the end of the game, and I just learned that you can perfect parry. And it's like, well, shit, I wish I'd have known that throughout the rest of this game. And there was a recent example I can't think of. Uh, I wish I could, but it was a, a mechanic I learned right at the end of the game. And I was like, well, that doesn't do me much good now, but I wish I had known about it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like I said, it's just... I guess I'm one of those people who tends to like check what I can do in games personally. So I've never felt, I've never been like, oh, I guess I, maybe like FOV and Destiny might be the biggest thing I can think of. Honestly. Boy, FOV and Destiny is game changing. Huge. 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 Very <laughs> much so. All right. Good question. Appreciate it. Uh, Jehudi MD, one of our patrons, he says, Do you have travel destinations that you would like to go to someday? Why those specific places? Uh, for me, it's Japan's huge. Um, I'd like to see like Normandy. I'd love to go visit. Um, I mean, I've been to a lot of places. Like, I really like Portugal. I'm from there, so I would go there. Uh, my dad won't let us go to Puerto Rico, so maybe there would be somewhere I'd <laughs> like to go. Um, so why won't your dad let you go to Puerto Rico? <laughs> I don't know. He just refuses to go back. Hey, I mean, I fine, whatever. I don't need to go to Puerto Rico. I'm very much someone who like it's hard for me to pick one because there's places I want to go, like Japan, like New Zealand. That would be cool. Even like somewhere like going on a safari in Africa. But I'm one of those people like I want to go somewhere once and then go somewhere else. Like my mom's like, oh, let's go to Aruba, and she's gone to Aruba like four times. It's like, why don't you go somewhere else? Like you've been there. Like why are you going back? <laughs> I don't get it. We just talked about it. Yeah. Aruba is her double bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> Fair <laughs> argument, but also bad argument because the, the Caribbean is the Caribbean. Go to a different island and you're going to get the same experience. Hey, is there a sun in the sky? You're good. <laughs> the beach is still the beach. Ocean's the ocean. Like, Yeah, but it's still the fact that it's just an unknown quantity, right? It gives you that feeling of comfort of being like, well, because – Vacation's not cheap either. It's the same thing. You sure. feel the risk of, oh, what if I go here and I hate it? But I could yeah, just I mean, go to Aruba. And that's I've happened been there. Too. I enjoyed it. I went to Lake George once. It was the worst vacation I've ever been on. But I can say I went to Lake George. Like I would rather be like, oh, I've been to 
Turks and Caicos and Thailand sure. and the Bahamas. Sure. So, oh well, yeah, I've been to Aruba like 16 times. Like, okay, fucking cool. Why don't you just move there, dickhead? <laughs> See, that's where I kind of have like a balancing here where going back to me feeling like, I guess I didn't travel a lot when I was young because of the fact that we didn't have a lot of money. So we did occasionally, right? Like we went to um, Alabama for the beach one time. Um, and then we went to – or Mississippi, rather. That's what it was. And then we went to uh, South Carolina. Yeah, to go and visit where my brother was born on a military base for his birthday. Nice. And then I went to Hawaii on my 18th birthday slash graduation present because I was born in Hawaii. So Fuck yeah. Um, I've gone to those places, and I really do like them. And I do want to take like my wife back to Hawaii, but mm-hmm. probably a different island, right? Do something, like you said, familiar but different. Kind of get that double side there. But, you know, it's like... Where I live, I think about like when you want a short weekend away, I kind of have that. It's like I love hot springs, place close to us. And whenever you come down, I think it'd be cool to take you. But yeah, um, super, super hot water. It's, it's really wild. Like there's just a natural spring of water pumping out of the ground and it's almost hot enough to burn you. And it's really wild. That's uh, cool. And it's very clean water. And so they have these fountains that you can go to and they just let everyone in the fit in the city just go to the fountains and fill their bottles up with water, like big jugs if you want. Take it home, let it cool down. You got crystal clean spring water. Dude, hell it's, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and the mountains are really pretty there. Um, they have bathhouses where they pull water directly out of the hot spring into the bath for you. And you can soak in it and steam in it. And that's where like Al Capone and people hung out. It's, it's a really interesting place. But it's close. It's familiar. It's cheap. It's like a two hours away. Then there's Dallas three hours away. Shreveport an hour away. And you kind of get in this thing where it's like you find yourself going to those places a lot because it's like the escape from here. But I have so many places I want to go to just to see something different because like I've, I've never left the country. I mean, t- I guess like I've left the contiguous States since I went to Hawaii, but like, I want to just, I kind of want to go to anywhere in England just to start and just go around and stay, like, travel like you would here in the States. Mm-hmm. So like I'm in Arkansas one day, I'm in Texas the next, I'm in Oklahoma the next, I'm in Colorado. He's like, you can kind of make that little path or whatever. I want to just do that there. Be like today I'm in, Eng- like you know, I'm in the UK, and then now I'm in Germany, and now I'm over here, and now it, it, like that seems like a cool idea. Yeah, I mean ba- that's why backpacking in Europe is so uh, popular because I mean the whole of Europe can fit into Texas, so <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely yeah. do it. And I'd love to do that stuff. Like you know, I very much want to go to Sweden for no other reason to see if uh, all the movies are true. You know, um, you know, stuff like that. Like Sweden's definitely yeah. a place I'd like to go. There's places where it's just like shit just looks cool, you know? Yeah. Like they've got like that pebble beach in, in America where I don't know exactly where it is, but all the pebbles are like hot pink and like light yellow and all this cool ass colors. I'm like, I want to fucking go there. Yeah. It looks cool as hell. I want to go like the Dead Sea. Why not? Oh, that's that sounds sick. cool. Just float in yeah. the water. Yeah, dude, I want to go. This is where I think me and my wife will probably, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I want to go to Australia. Like, it seems, outside looking in, the way they portray it seems like it's supposed to be terrifying, but it looks incredibly interesting to me. So I'm yeah, like, see, I'd go to Australia. I got no interest in fucking with those big ass spiders. I ain't going over there. 
Well, you talked uh, about wanting to go to New Zealand. You're just a few miles away. Yeah, not, yeah, it's but, not a few. It's it's but it's you know a, what I mean. It's a while, but geographically pretty close. You ain't wrong, but like New Zealand's like last on my list because of the big ass spiders. Like fuck that shit. But if you were like, hey Chris, like. I'm giving you a. We get super popular. Like I'm giving you a monthly bonus of plane tickets anywhere you want to go for being a great host of this podcast. Like you, you can pay for a trip to New Zealand, but if I'm paying, you know, I'm going to Japan. Yeah, Japan's on my list too. And really talking about it, it's like the cultural aspects, and it's funny because going back to the games I was playing, I was thinking about this gotcha. earlier and uh, didn't bring it up, but um, Reverie is like a Zelda like that takes place in New Zealand. That's cool. And Chia is a Zelda-like in some ways. New Caledonia. That takes place in a fictional version of New Caledonia. The thing that's a little different between them and why I appreciate it is where I was going with the travel part of this is that I want to travel and view different cultures and be ingratiated in different cultures. But then whenever that goes into gaming... I think Reverie does it in a much better way. It just ties all these things about the area that it's familiar with and the and uses its um, folklore to in you know influence the story and collecting feathers for the wildlife stuff that's going on there, telling stories. I think that's a cool use of that. Uh, having your main weapon be a cricket bat, it's like it's having fun with that while still being fun as a game without getting it in its way. Whereas I feel like Chi is a really cool game and it's really fun and it's really charming in a lot of ways, but sometimes it tries so hard to touch on these little cultural aspects and being, Hey, I'm going to teach you something about our culture that it, it kind of feels up its own ass a little bit. Kind and you're of. like, ah, and you're like, Ugh, I kind of, I, it's just a bit much like going one place, singing a song, doing a rhythm game and then running somewhere else. And then, doing a song and doing the rhythm mini game and then going somewhere else and doing a song and doing the rhythm in a game. It's like, I get it, man. Y'all's people make cool music that's varied and has interesting stuff, but it's like, it's okay if I'm not constantly learning about new Caledonia's ways. Like I can, you can ingratiate me in a way that doesn't feel as heavy handed. So that's just something I, that came to mind. I'm, I'm there with you on that. Did you play Chia at all? I did. And maybe it's going to make me sound bad, but part of the reason I fell off was I did feel it was up his own ass. And like I did that first um, thing where you're playing music, and I'm like, I just don't <sighs> like this. And I like, I liked the gameplay of it, but I was just kind of like, eh, I'd almost just rather go play Immortals or Zelda. Well, and I find the game most interesting when it's just letting me exist in that same type of world and get quests in that world and talk to people and see the way the different people live and these different views. And even when it gets kind of crazy and uses some of its folklore stuff to in inspire the less realistic aspects of the game world, like some of the odd um, supernatural elements and this stuff going on is all really cool. Like Mayavora as a bad guy is actually really cool. And what he's doing is really interesting, but it's like the fact that I have to filter all that through the game being really heavy handed is unfortunate. And I really liked that reverie had a lot of the same feel of like, Hey, we're going to steep you in our culture, but we're just going to let you run around in it and kind of do what you want to within it. Instead of mm. constantly being like, let me take control away from you. And here you are. <laughs> yeah. I, it's weird. But yeah, I, I want to go just see a bunch of different cultures. And uh, do you find that do you find that you're more driven to travel um, more often, at least 
from things in nature more so than cities? Or do you think it's a pretty healthy mix? Um, I think it's nature. Because for me, like a lot of the stuff I really want to see is like mountain ranges and cool vistas. You know, sure. I think that's a lot cooler than like, oh, I saw this brown building, but it was in Japan. Like, that's not interesting. But sure. like seeing, I don't know, a forest, you know, maybe not pulling a Logan Paul and filming in them, but, you know, going to see some of the nature around there would be really neat. So that to me is it. You know, you can get me with like, like, uh, what, you know, those Instagram montages of cool ass landscapes. Like, I'm probably, I, I'll go on vacation based off those, you know, like that. Yeah, sure. I think I'm a healthy mix of both because there's a lot of that's that's a type of nature I feel like I've never seen. Like I've never seen a jungle environment with my own eyes, and I think that sounds cool. Like I'd want to see that. What does that yeah. look like? How does that feel? Yeah. Um, like you know, what is like what does the Grand Canyon feel like to be around? Like you see representations of it all over the place, but like what does it feel like to stand in that openness and mm-hmm. see all like that, that? It reminds me of like I was listening to uh, another podcast, and one of the guys was like, you know. I don't need to travel. I just have the internet. And I'm like, that's fucking insane, dude. That's not the same. Like, it's not the same, like, seeing, I don't know, the Redwood Forest versus Googling it. Yeah, like, no. I, as someone who went to San Francisco and then went and saw it, it was sick. Yeah, it's way absolutely. Different. Like, it's it's a completely different. different experience. That's why, like, and I and the thing is, it, it's it's for the best and for the worst, right? Because you see the same Instagram videos I'm talking about. Those are like specifically shot to be put on Instagram where, you know, oh, this really great place has nobody swimming in this wonderful water. And then the reality is like it's full of fucking fat Americans. Like, <laughs> like it's just typical. And yeah, no, you're right. I think the, the, the good and bad of traveling across the board is like we went to San Francisco, uh, of course, and uh, it was really cool. But it's like, for as much as I fell in love with aspects of San Francisco, I fell out of love with so many other aspects, like the crazy amount of homeless and Mm -hmm. just how the the traffic was just bonkers. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it was really cool that you could basically walk within pretty much anywhere reasonably. That was a nice element. And it's very different from where I'm at, where like when you visited, I think you even noted how everything feels really spread out in comparison. Um, Like, I don't know how big uh, like square, uh, you know, square acres or however you want to say, like, I don't know how big of a landmass Texarkana is in comparison to like anywhere in Connecticut, but it feels like this is a really big footprint. Like maybe our city is not as highly populated or as densely populated, but our city is very pushed out considering the population we do have. Yeah. And that's kind of different. So it was interesting, but yeah, you, you also, you're also like, yeah, but that place is kind of crazy and it's rife with a bunch of issues. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, it's like, you know, some sometimes the illusion is better than actually being there too. Like, I well, remember I think my, the cool part is the mix. Yeah, because I remember my brother telling me like he really wanted. They went to L.A. He was like, I was so excited to see the Hollywood Walk of Shame or the Hollywood Stars or whatever. And he was like, yeah. Yeah, we went there and there was just poop all over the floor. And he's like, this wasn't fun. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like I don't. So, yeah, walking through San Fran, you just and then this has been years ago. This is 2017, 2018. Um, 
we're walking through and you're like, oh, this is cool. This is really pretty. There's a bunch of hills. My legs are starting to hurt, but I'm cool. I'm into it. And mm. then you're like, that is piss. That's, that's, the, the air is piss right now. What is going on? And then you're like, oh, that's shit. The air is shit right now. What is this? <laughs> and then you keep walking. You're like, oh, I guess it was just that block. And then you keep going. And two blocks down, you look down. There's tents everywhere, piss. And I'm not talking on them, right? They're homeless and that sucks. But it's just like, it, it does mean that you have to take San Francisco for what it is, the good and the bad, as, the bad aspects of it, and just kind of roll them together and be like, well, it was an experience that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the nature thing, like I often find that nature pulls me in, but I also think it's that the problem that I have within America is like whenever I went and visited Boston, it kind of just didn't feel that different than some of the older cities that are around us because yeah. the architecture is all roughly a similar age. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's an old church, but it's like those aren't that crazy around here. But then like you go to somewhere like London where you have a very specific architectural style that's hundreds of years older you know, than anything we have standing here. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. yeah, the Eiffel Tower, that's fucking sick. I had that same experience when I went down to Texas last year where I think I said it to you. I was like, I don't know why, but I expected this to look different than what I'm used to. And, and it, it just doesn't. looks like the busy <laughs> metropolitan area of your city, of your right. area, right? It's yeah. like traveling over there and being like, oh, this is nothing, like, this is nothing different. Outside Dude, downtown of- Boston looked like downtown Dallas, verbatim. I couldn't oh, believe yeah. it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I flew <laughs> hours <laughs> to go home <laughs> to go to the same place like it wasn't until we hit the snow where i was like okay yeah now we're at least somewhere different it doesn't snow in texas <laughs> and exactly. when it does heaven beware <laughs> yeah you're all dying <laughs> yeah uh, it's pretty Excuse wild me. there's uh, a lot of places know. i want to go but we'll cities see. are just not that interesting like I went to Ohio, and I apologize if anyone is from Ohio, but Cleveland was the worst place I've ever been in my life. And you know, we were excited to go because we went to opening day, and there was like one, one or two hours where I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool," and then you're walking around like, oh, "This city fucking sucks." I'm sorry. Like I, I know there are. I'm sure there's someone in our audience who's like, oh, "I love Cleveland." Your city fucking sucks. I'm sorry. Like, do something. The most interesting thing I did in Cleveland was eat at a Chinese restaurant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, Cleveland was not a good. So, but less talking shit about the city, but more just in general. Like, that's cities for me. It's like, okay, this is this is great. It smells, and I don't want to be here. (laughs) Like, you know. Well, you kind of touched on my thing. I like the idea of visiting, like, not necessarily just dead out in the middle of nowhere, but, like, small towns within yeah. areas. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want to go to, like, a small Japanese town and see, like, the farms and the stuff and kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is kind of what rural Japan feels like. Like, what is that in comparison yeah. to rural America? And how does – and, you know, there's parts of America I haven't been to. Like, how is rural South Dakota – Compared to rural Arkansas, I'm sure it's actually quite a bit different. Fucking cornfields oh, everywhere. For sure. <laughs> but point being is that go to that's the thing that kind of drives you. You know, yeah, no, Alaska seems cool as hell. I want to go. Hawaii was cool, Alaska. but Hawaii was its most cool to me when I felt like I wasn't in the like. Okay, here's hmm. where tourists go. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when you're out and about and you feel like you're on an island, it's like this is cool as hell. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. Nature over cities. Sorry to the cities team. Well, in small, small, warm towns. So I think that's what I also like about Hot Springs. Like, it's a fairly 
populated thing, but it's got like a cool booming downtown. Like it doesn't feel like you're in a huge city. There's not like skyscrapers everywhere. You know? Yeah. No, I get that. So. Um, Brett, I'm feeling a little sexy right now. You feel a little sexy right now? How you feel. But I feel like it's time for some sexiness into the podcast. I think there's only one way to introduce sexiness into the podcast, Chris. Do you know how? How is that? Velvet's Corner. Oh, by slipping away into Velvet's Corner. Uh Oh, put your boners away now, guys. I can't. Oh, you got to flick it up into the, the waistband. Too big. You know? <laughs> so, okay, Chris. That's all calm I down. Is to have a third nipple hanging out of my shirt. <laughs> Velvet comes in with a follow-up question to our episode 300 question. Oh. He says, Shuhei was thrilled with the meal Chris cooked for him last week and decided you deserve a reward. But he also heard about Brett's backroom shenanigans and was furious. So he decided your reward would be a tour of any PlayStation studio and a peek at what they're currently working on. And as punishment, you must wear a sign around your neck while viewing the tour. What's written on the sign will be decided by each other and can say anything. So what game studio will each of you pick and what game are you hoping to see? And what will be written on each other's signs? Will you be kind or evil? You go first. <laughs> okay, so the studio I want to go see. Okay. This all plays into the bigger point here. A, I love them. I love so many of their games. I want to go visit Sucker Punch. All right. And then the question of, of being kind or evil comes into play because that sounds a lot like a morality system, baby. And you know what game I want to see? I want to see the next Infamous game. Okay. Even if it's not being made at Sucker Punch, I know that they would have a little bit of involvement. So even if it's just that I'm seeing what another studio is working on, there we are. Now, Chris, because, because of course, I chose my studio. Mm. You have to tell me what is going to be around my sign at said studio. So what does my punishment sign say at the studio? Will you be kind or evil to me? Will you be good cold or bad cold? I'm going to be will you a sacrifice mix. yourself, or will you save humanity? I'm going to be a mix, right? Okay. So the sign is going to say, "I really want Infamous 3. right? Okay, that's what it's going to say. But then, like, I'm going to do like two hits of the enter button, and then under that, it's going to say, "Because everything else you guys have made is garbage." Ooh. But oh, wait, hold on. Because it's a, it's a is, backwards is, compliment. It, it is weird. It, because also it's like, hey, I want Infamous 3, even though Infamous 1 and 2 were garbage. <laughs> no, no, no. See, it's meant to imply that the only thing they've done that you like is Infamous. Was Infamous. Oh, that's not true. But that is a sufficiently kind of evil. <laughs> yeah, I want you to be like uncomfortable, nefarious. but... Clear, like almost like you're trying to be nice, so that's how I would go with it. Mm. Fair point. Don't get me wrong; I'd be the first person to tell them that the decision making process and how they chose to handle the morality system in Second Son was awful. Yeah, you'd throw rocks say, at them. Uh, <laughs> I'll look. I'll look Nate Fox in the face. Yeah, and I will say, Nate, never again. <laughs> So maybe that's what the sign will say. They'll just say, Nate, never again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Hashtag infamous three. (laughs) Hashtag infamous three. I like that. Um, In terms of mine, first off, let's go back to last week's Velvet Corner. I don't know if you saw in the Discord, but I really fucked up my answer to Velvet's Corner last week. Because the right answer in terms of game was to just do every meal based off Tokyo Jungle, and then I could have just done anything. I just want to make that clear for people not in our Discord, which again, link below. Join it. It's fun. Here's a braised lion. Yeah, here's some braised (laughs) lion, some uh, scorched tiger cat. Easy money. (laughs) (laughs) Braised baboon. That'd be it. Yeah, braised baboon. Baboon butt burgers. (laughs) Hold on. Are the buns the the, the baboon ass? Or is it like the meat? They ain't got buns, son. Or I know what we got. Here we are. It's like the KFC double down chicken sandwich where it's a piece Mm -hmm. of chicken and then some cheese and lettuce and then a piece of chicken. It's just baboon ass cheek, (laughs) cheese and lettuce and bacon and then baboon ass cheek. Baboon burgers, yeah. I like it a lot. Um, So the studio, I would go to, does it have to be first party? So it sounds like any PlayStation studio. Okay, I want to be clear. My first point, my first pick is Deviation Games because I'm fascinated by that team. Okay. But, That's the one that Sony purchased? No, that would be Haven. Or, well, is it the they one that Sony has a second party exclusive coming from them. Okay, yeah. Their shooter you. studio. I just want to see what's going on over there. You know. But I think my answer is I'm going to Sony Bend. And I'm beating them to a pulp until somebody greenlights Days Gone to. I don't want to be on good terms with them. I just want them to make the game I want to play. <laughs> okay, Chris. So Days Gone Two is what you want to see, yes, or technically, Days it's gone, what you want to will into existence. Exactly. Days Gone Two needs to happen. I have a I have a real tough question for you within this question. Go for it. Do you really want Days Gone 2 when none of the people that made Days Gone what it was are even at that studio? You know what I mean. Listen, the high-level people who directed and created and made that world are gone. Do you really I want mean, that? My bold prediction is that they're doing Siphon Filter. So <clears throat> it doesn't seem to matter to that studio because I doubt any of those guys are there either. So, <laughs> Well, a lot of them left at the same time because that you was, go. you know... <laughs> I, this is a total tangent. I think it's outrageously clear that Sony has Siphon Filter coming, right? It, they, I don't know. It seems like why? Why otherwise are they going through this every, every single every Siphon Filter bend? game? And really, yeah, it'd be different. Like if Resistance Retribution hits, then it may just be they're releasing every bend game. And if if Retribution gets skipped and they just don't do it, and they're like, yeah, we're done. Then I'm gonna be like something's going on. I'm just saying, how many? More? If you if you added all siphon filter games, and <laughs> yeah, something's going on. I mean, I, you and I both know that they've already made a siphon filter game very recently. But the point I'm making is, how, <laughs> how many more are they? How many more games do they have to release? Two, you one know? or two? No, I don't. I don't know how many more siphon filters there are because to yeah, me it seems like. They're pretty much on pace for the last game in the Cypher Filter series to come out. PlayStation Showcase, Sony Bend is making Cypher Filter 7, and then we move on from there. 
I'm fine. There's a leak in the house next door, apparently. Oh, lucky you. So, yeah, give me uh what's my sign, Brett? Or what is on my sign? My sign is Scorpio. Suck my deacon. <laughs> <laughs> Suck my deacon. I mean, honestly, um, that I, I you wouldn't. know, really, that that sounds like a fun sign, though. And I'm not trying to be mean to you, realistically. You know, like I don't want to be evil to you. So then, the question is: Are we being evil or kind to each other? Or are we being evil or kind to the to the developers that have to witness the sign? I feel then like it depends on how you turn that message, right? Is it shameful towards us, or is it shameful towards them? Yeah, I feel like it's got to be. It's got to be a thing where like. You're uncomfortable wearing it, but it also makes them uncomfortable to really be good, right? Like so. So the project here is to be uncomfortable, not to be good or evil. It's just to make everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, like I want you to get to a point, like with my shirt. I want you to get to a point in your studio tour where you feel the need to explain that I made the sign for you. Yeah, you know. You're like, listen, I know this shirt's weird. I didn't pick it. That's going to be the funnier part if he comes back and says, well, you can't, you have to just bear responsibility for the sign. That would, that would be fair. You can't, you can't shirk it off on someone else. Then I guess it's even more important for it to make everyone uncomfortable because you have to pretend you did it. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many dumb stuff that you could do. Man, that's fun. Nobody wants to have dripping ceilings in the in the rain. Mm-mm. Yay. Only Sam Porter um, Bridges. It's not my house, but it's someone's house, so that's unfortunate. <laughs> Got to do some figuring out. Um, yeah, Sam Porter Bridges would want to be, you know, throwing his own poop and all sorts of stuff, you know. That's this <laughs> kind of guy he is. He's an OG. Yeah, I feel good with you know. Just I'm just gonna have fun. You, your reward will be that you get to go see Studio Ben. Though I don't think that you actually. I don't mean this in any way other than I think Days Gone is the only real title from them that you have any yeah, affinity if, toward. Is that right? If I was yeah, if I was giving like a serious like truly what I want to see, I would probably go to Haven. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be like, what are you making? Explain, please explain, Dell. What are you doing, Jade Raymond? You haven't put <laughs> out sign. a game since Assassin's Creed. What is going yeah. on? Yeah, Who your sign are you? then would be, did you kill Stadia? Hashtag Jade Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> Jade the killer. Hashtag Jade the killer. It's just a sign that says hashtag are you- <laughs> Stadia truther. And it's just a picture of Jade Raymond with a big circle and a cross through it. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, the other dude, Phil Harris. Is that is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Harrison, Phil Harrison. Harrison, that's it. Yeah, Phil Harrison. Like the sign would be, "Are you and Phil Harrison in cahoots?" But I don't really think that's what it is. Uh, I'm I'm very interested. I actually think Haven's a good answer because there's something that's fun about go- knowing that you'll get an answer to a mystery there, you know. But you know exactly. what? If for some reason sucker punches couldn't happen, right? My secondary backup answer is I'd go to Blue Point. I've always just been curious to see how Blue Point work. 
And I don't even, I think the answer to what I want to see is not a particular game. I just want to see what they're choosing to make since it's not a remake. Like, what in their opinion? I mean, we all know what they're making, dog. <laughs> we know what they're making. It's Bloodborne 2. But Chris, in, in the in the reality, right, the world that we exist in where they've Bloodborne at least said 2. that they're, the next game they're making is is an original game. Do you there think that that would? I'm not. I'm, hold on. I'm not letting. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is, do you really think that they would go as far to say they're working on an original project and have it be part of an IP that is not theirs? Do you do you think that that would be their actual use? And it might be a valid answer. I think that there's plenty of reasonable expectation to go. If you work with an IP and you learn what makes it work so that you can remake it adequately, then you would have a good understanding to then build a new one from the ground up. I get where that answer comes from, but do you really think that's what it would be? It's a, it's a hard question to answer because in my head, the answer is no, but, or in my heart, the answer is no, but in my head, the answer is I don't believe for a second, a new IP will outsell Bloodborne 2. So or even what, two take Bloodborne out of it. Take Bloodborne out of it. A new IP is not guaranteed to sell any better than any IP that they could be making a follow up for. Exactly. Now that doesn't mean that they should, right? The other side of that is you think that that was true, so you could you could argue that Killzone would you would think Killzone would sell better than an unknown Horizon IP, and clearly Horizon drastically outsold anything that ever happened from them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Because I've always said on the show that I don't understand why you would buy a team made for remakes and then let them make their own game. I'm glad that they're getting the opportunity to expand their horizons and do that. But, you know, that's like hiring me because I'm a chef and telling me that I'm in charge of an aquarium. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I could do the job, but that doesn't mean that's what I'm best for. Yeah, it's that's right. Yeah, and that's why it just goes through. And my other question for them would just be, are you more than one team now? And is there still a remake happening and a new game? Or are you all really going full ham on only a new game? Because it does feel a little weird to be like, Sony, we've only worked with you in the capacity of high-quality remasters and remakes. And as soon as you buy us, we're going to make you an original title. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't think Sony would tell them no because they've clearly earned some respect from Sony and and how well they've handled these games and typically how well their remasters and remakes sell uh, and how well they review, which is a lot to be said. So, uh, But with that said, Chris, I think we are to the point where we are closing out. And that was two this episode, so I'm keeping my trajectory of going down by one per episode. <laughs> so that means you need like three more so that you can play it twice on the next one. <laughs> Uh, with that said, Chris, we need a community's take to give these fine people. Now, it's a slow Ooh. news week, so there's not necessarily, you know, we don't have to look at anything we have gone through. But I think there's some curiosity about seeing people's excitement for Konami coming back. Like, Is that something that people really are excited to see, considering the way they handled everything previously and left, or what? Um, or do you have another one that is in mind that you think would be a little more fun? Or It doesn't have to be anything to do with this week either. I mean, that one's not bad. I guess for me, it's a matter of like, I guess the one I would like is, do you want to see Konami go back to the well? Or are you hoping that they take the knowledge of their old IPs and make a new game? 
Yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Does that? How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, let's tighten it up. Should Konami go back to the well of their old classic IP, or should they invest in something new in their Osaka studio? Yeah. Yeah, does their return to gaming also entail new IP or strictly land? Return to creativity. But Brett, let me do some uh, final announcements for the end of the show here. We got two. Oh, one of them. Go ahead. Yeah. One of them what? One of them is the fact that we never got to uh, letting everyone know that I'm I'm beating you. Yeah, that was one of them, <laughs> fucker. Um, the first one is all of you invested in the trophy competition. It is about that time when I announce April's game. And for some reason, we've decided that Jedi Survivor will be the bonus game for April. So get that platinum first in the group. And congratulations, you have a... The equivalent of a jumping taco added to your list. All so right, what's our second The here? second thing is, yes, an update on the Metacritic draft. In a shocking turn of events, I have a nice amount of points with 69, and nice. Brett has pulled into the lead with a 71 average. Now, for the record, for anyone wondering, these are all updated to the highest score on Metacritic. Brett is winning. I don't understand it, but Brett is winning. I don't understand how math works because I don't know how I'm losing right now. Brett, how are you feeling about your Metacritic draft? Feeling pretty good? I'm feeling good because Diablo 4 is uh, beta, despite me not having played it, is being very favorably talked about. Yep. So I'm feeling very strong that that will end up in the high 80s, at least mid 80s, but high 80s, hopefully low 90s if I'm very lucky. Oh, hopefully man. it'll be my, my next Resident Evil slash, you know, Dead Space remake and kind yeah. of put me in a really, t- really good spot. Um, so that Those one's for picks. sure. That That's a really good pick. Uh, of course, Sons of the Forest, the, the fact that it chose to forego releasing uh, as a full release and instead just went early access means that it's very likely that it'll end up at zero. So I'm apprehensive. But my other thing is I think Pikmin 4, the more I kind of look around, and I'm not a big Pikmin fan, but people seem excited about the prospect. And I think people are going to be willing and open. And I think that game might be a surprise hit for me. I like that. I like that. I've got, man, my list is fucked. Because it's either going to be real good or real not good, right? Like, Tears of the Kingdom, that's probably a 97. Yeah, I'd Baldur's, say a 95, bare minimum. Baldur's Gate, I'm betting high 90s. Spider-Man, I'm betting, I'm betting high 80s, low 90s. Liza P, I'm betting 90s or 60s. Street Fighter, 7 to 8. Starfield, 9 to 6. <laughs> And then Jedi Survivors is shaping up to be really good. My biggest worry. I worries, think you might have had a good choice there. Yeah. My biggest worries are Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Suikoden 1 and 2 HD Remaster, Gate Rune, and the Dune and Unification Wars were, uh, were picks. Those were decisions on my part. And I really should have taken Battle Network instead of Suikoden. I think Rebirth is going to be the thing that gets you. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a, a zero. I now, unfortunately. You do have a zero with The Wolf Among Us 2, and I have a zero, of course, with Lost Soul Aside. I think the problem we're going to run into is that both of us are probably looking at another zero with Sons of the Forest and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yeah. 
I think you got two more zeros coming, at least. That's my That's what I'm gonna say. So which so Suicide Squad seems to be a zero. They haven't publicly announced it yet. They said that they were moving it to you know they haven't publicly talked about shit. No, all they haven't said anything. It's just all that's rumors. happened is a rumor said, "Hey, we're moving. They're going to be moving the game back to later this year." And then somebody else was like, "No, even further than that." And they're just being like, "Yeah, we're not saying anything." Yeah, um, I think Suicide Squad was not the one I'm thinking of, but that's a good one. Um, no. Assassin's Creed Mirage, I don't think is coming this year. I don't know, man. The, the hubbub around the game still seems to be that it's coming this year. And yeah. those games tend to come in that very late sector of the year, that October, November window. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, I saw that it might be getting delayed through like some rumor. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. If you're thinking of the release window, like they delay it a month or two and you're fucked. So, oh, you're right. Yeah. If it delays at all, I'm fucked pretty much. Yeah. So I think you've got, you potentially have three on your list that I could see being zeros. And to be fair, I haven't heard shit about Forza Motorsport. Yeah, they've shown about it. They've shown stuff about it. So I'm feeling pretty good about Forza. I think racing games are in a good spot right mm-hmm. now. Definitely that type of racing game. And I think since Gran Turismo is good competition, there's one that's released closely enough for them to kind of talk about it and compare it. I I think it'll do well enough. Uh, Redfall is looking better than whenever I initially picked it to me. It's looking more exciting to me. Nice. That's uh, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a weird spot. I, I feel confident that Mirage will come out and it'll hit that mid-80s I'm looking for. Okay. Are you going to be adding any games anytime soon? You still got to add three. Man, I don't know. Right now, it's just I'm not... There's nothing that's jumping out. That's kind of mm. the problem I'm running to, you know? That was the same I with think, me. I only picked up Metroid Prime because I knew it was a shoe in 90 and I was right. So... <laughs> yeah. Like, man, yeah, if something else shadow drops, then maybe... All right. I think the biggest thing I can say is that both of us are lucky that we weren't overly bullish on um, what was that crazy game we were talking about that was Saints Row like that had all the weird actors in it. Oh, uh, Rocket City. Yeah. <laughs> I almost picked that shit. Whew, that would have been awful. Mm, yeah. But I still Mm-mm. think I'm going to play it. <laughs> Part and I, I strictly mean for the the competition's sake. Yeah, I am very curious how that game actually is. <laughs> Me too. I just want to see the story. I mean, they have enough people in it, but you know that's kind of one of those indicators where when they start throwing all these crazy things at it, it starts to feel like maybe they knew they didn't have anything great on their hands, but they didn't want to undo work, and they're like, "We got to get make something happen." So let's just get a bunch of celebrity actors. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to get it like memed into popularity, basically. Like we all saw how well Keanu Reeves helped Cyberpunk, which honestly is one hundred percent true in oh, terms yeah. of initial excitement. And I think Keanu even being in the game helped the fact that the initial game had issues. People were like, "Was well, Keanu still pretty damn cool in this?" You just you're willing to roll with the punches. So. Absolutely. Uh, I think what I might do, and I have to look and see whether or not the DLC. I, I'll go. I'll see. It's like, it's weird. I want to wait and see what happens with uh, Forbidden West because my real thing is. I think I'm willing to add Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Is that what you're doing? Reviewed. It's definitely going to get reviewed. That was my thing. Is I didn't know how they handled um, reviews, but I thought that I remembered The Witcher and Frozen Wilds, uh, The Witcher DLCs and Frozen Wilds getting reviewed. That's so true. if that's the case, then yes, I will go ahead and add Phantom Liberty to my list. Let me check. I'll check for you. Uh, let's see. Give me a Witcher 3 DLC. Name. Blood and Wine. 
Yep, it got reviewed. 91. So you're no, taking it. Yeah. You want to take it? I do want to right. take that. As of April 4th, 2023, Brett has Cyberpunk. What did you call it? Phantom Liberty? Mm-hmm. Excuse I me. I think that's what it's All called, right. right? I'm adding it in. Cyberpunk. Yeah, Phantom Liberty. You have it. It's locked in. All right. So Bam. that leaves you know, both of us with two more picks for our benches. Um, and I will take this opportunity also to oh, give a shit. big shout out to Kevin Bacon Bits for being the person who makes sure that he keeps up. He takes a big weight off of our shoulders by keeping up with the trophy competition for us and giving everybody updates on where they are at the time. Yes. So as of right now, he still holds the first place. Um, bracket but kuno guy came in late and he came in hot and he is in second place just barely above me um so there we are i'm in third i have scooted back i've uh, i've dropped down and then we have uh, some emo so josh we have blake we have you chris in sixth place somehow i'm <laughs> proud of you Thanks. Uh, Bring the Pain in seventh. Aztec King seven, one of our other patrons in eighth. Uh, Jordell in nine. Tenth is TT Dog 666, another patron. T Crames in the 11th and Yuna in 12th. That is the current score listing. The competition's getting hot. We're in April. This this year's flying by. Oh my God. We're going to wait and see what happens. (laughs) They really do. It's really true. Time flies when you get old, man. I like woke up with a bad back and it's April already. God damn. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's round this episode off. If you liked what we did today, remember you can go and find us on social media. Give us a follow over on Twitter at triangle S Q R D. You can find us in the Facebook group, triangle squared, a PlayStation podcast, or you can click the description, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on podcast services, jump into the discord. We'd be glad to have you there. You can talk to us about day-to-day stuff, podcast discussions that we're having, uh, be part of the trophy talk where we talk about all the trophies that we are getting as part of this competition and everything else if you are on a service that allows you to rate and review us please consider doing so be a big help for us if you think that there's someone in your life that would like the show be like uh sean one neo mr no fate and find a friend and tell them let them find the love that is this show uh but with all of that said it is time to thank our patrons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to help support this show. It is a huge help for us, and we appreciate you greatly. So without further ado, we will be back next week for episode 302. Chris, thank you for joining me. And a shout-out to Brett. our patrons. Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santarude. Thanks, you all. See you next week.